Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Hey, hey Nick, who's your quarterback on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're still, we're still sorting through that. Obviously, Jalen had a good practice yesterday um, and went out and, did, and, and looked well, looked like he did some things really well. And uh, um, so still going to sort through all those things. Haven't decided anything yet. We've still got, uh, shoot, we got a couple days. So still got time. Well, there you have it. Nick Sirianni attempting to be cagey. Not all that good. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm Glenn Mack now, along with my pal Mike Sealski on a warm, foggy last day of 2022 in the Delaware Valley. Uh, Mike, I like Nick Sirianni a lot. I, I think like every Eagles fan, you got to like him as a coach. The record's been terrific since he got here, and I like him as a guy. I think he's a genuinely good guy. He has f- not fallen into, consciously decided to be part of the head coach is going to tell you nothing. Yes, I would like to play poker with Nick because I think I could take him for some money. Uh, he does not have much of a poker face. No, he does not. And you have a column today uh, and where you say that Jalen Hurts should not play. I think it. we all believe at this point that it will be a shocker if he's in uniform tomorrow, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, I think it would be uh, one of those moments where people go, wait, what? He's out there and he's suited up and he's going to play? Uh I would be shocked, and I think everybody would be shocked if we saw Jalen Hurts under center tomorrow. Right. So he returned to practice Thursday and Friday, limited in both those days. Um, and the Eagles are not saying anything. Under the guise of competitive advantage, which, oh, I'm, I'm sure the Saints haven't figured it out at all. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And the other part of it, which we're going to get into uh, later in the show, uh, is something related to Hertz and his personality, and I think the way that Sirianni wants to speak about Hertz publicly. Um, but again, we'll get into that later. But okay. mostly it's about competitive advantage. All right, so tomorrow the Eagles play the Saints. Everybody knows what is at stake here. Eagles win tomorrow. They clinch both the division and the number one seed in the NFC for the entire playoffs. First round by home field advantage. All of that good stuff. They lost to Dallas last Saturday. Um, with Gardner Minshew playing quarterback, they host the Saints tomorrow. They host the Giants next week. Mike, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous should Eagle fans be about their season right now? Right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being total placid calmness and 10 being our hair is on fire, abject panic. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. They should be at about a 1.5. A little higher than that. 
you I'm not, yeah, well, I'm I'm at about a three and okay. a half, um, okay. which still is. I mean, if you look at my hand, it's not shaking. No, well, no, not because you're nervous. But then look at that one. <laughs> look at that one. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, well, you go first then, uh, Mister Sedate Maharishi. Well, what do we got? Well, look, um, I'm 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 not suggesting. Yeah. Be the ball, Glenn. Be the ball. Um, I'm not suggesting, of course, that losing Jalen Hurts and, and again, we'll get into this later in the show, I think in some ways, even more importantly, losing uh, Lane Johnson and Avante Maddox uh, aren't big deals. Of course, the Eagles are going to miss those players. I do think, though, that we are overstating the measure of concern that we ought to have with the Eagles facing the Saints and the Giants. They need to win one of these next two games to clinch home field advantage. The Saints are 6-9 and nine and play in the worst division in the NFL, the NFC South. Uh, they are 6-9 and nine on merit. That's probably that, that's a better record than their team actually is because of who their opponents tend to be. 2-0 uh, in their last two. I know, I know, but... The Eagles beat those sh- tough Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, those tough Cleveland Browns. Boy, Deshaun Watson has been terrible since he's. That's uh, a shame. Yeah, my heart breaks. It really does. Um, but look, the, the Saints aren't that good. The Eagles should beat the Saints with Gardner Minshew, without Lane Johnson, even without Avante Maddox. If worst case scenario plays out and they don't, okay, then you have the Giants, and maybe you bring Jalen Hurts back against the Giants in a must-win game for home field advantage. But for now, I'm not panicked at all. My one to ten was really the bigger scale mm. was the season okay. and and it's why I'm at a three and a half and it is listen I think that um at this point Jalen Hurts I don't want to say he's the least of my worries because I need to have him come back and play well but we we spoke to our Cooper Doc last week and by all indications he's close to being ready and if they need him against the Giants he will likely be ready and you get two weeks before the playoffs he will certainly be ready the mm-hmm. biggest issue with him now is is there going to be a little rust? But I don't overly worry myself about that. If I'm looking at the big picture, and I am looking at the big picture, mm-hmm. I want another damn parade. We all do, right? <laughs> Middle of February. Let's get out there on Broad Street and scream like crazy people. And this was the year that looked like everything's aiming there. The two other injuries you mentioned are the ones that concern me. And let's start with Lane Johnson. You know the numbers, and they can be misleading, but the Eagles are 9-21 and 21 without Lane Johnson over the years. Now, mm-hmm. the one year where he missed most of it was kind of a bad year. But all in still, when he's not there, that offensive line is different. Jason Kelsey was on Angelo earlier this week. Actually, uh, Dan Wilson, when you get a chance, see if you can find a cut where Jason Kelsey talked to Angelo this week kind of about how the Eagles' offense leaves – tackles out on an island, yes. that it's a really tough assignment. I mean, against guys like Micah Parsons and Von Miller and Khalil Mack, I think he specifically mentioned mm-hmm. those guys. And Lane Johnson does it and shuts those guys down. Yeah, Jack Driscoll, he's not bad. And none of what I'm saying is meant to be a shot at him. He's played 35 games uh, over the years as a fourth-rounder. He's, he's he's okay. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fine. He's better at tackling guard, I think. Um, and I think he'll be able to do the job. But he's going up against Cameron Jordan tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, you know, you have to figure, I don't know, go, go against the Cowboys. He may have to go against Micah Parsons if they play the Cowboys in the playoffs. Yes. And 
what he knows he's not, and we all know he's not, is Lane Johnson. And so that that's why I'm, you know, you if we discussed what's your level of confidence two, three weeks ago, hey, baby, I'm at an eight. Mm-hmm. I, I know exactly. I'm going to put my folding chair on Broad Street now <laughs> to reserve my spot for that parade. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can do that right now. A little nervous. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I think this is going to sound kind of convoluted. I think Lane is the best right tackle in football, and Sirianni said yesterday he thinks he's the best tackle, period. He's the best lineman on the best line in the league. That said, part of the reason that the Eagles line is the best in the league is its depth. And so does it hurt to take Lane out of of there? Absolutely it does. No question about it. I wonder if missing Avante Maddox is more damaging. Well, we'll get to that, too. Before we do, just stay in tackle for a moment. Do you have any um, thought to the idea of, hey, we got Andre Dillard. He was a first-round pick. He might actually be good. He's just a guy who was in the unfortunate position of Jordan Maialata, mm-hmm. this amazing creature from another planet, <laughs> went to Stoutland University and developed into this one of the best left tackles in football, and so Andre Dillard never got a chance. Are you – at all of the mind of, let's put Dillard at left tackle. My lot has played right tackle before, moving back there. I am not of that mind. Okay, uh, nor am I. Go yeah. ahead. No, only because then you're upsetting two positions yeah. when you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, and having not seen much of Dillard this season, then you've got two spots that you're a little, you know, you're going to be nervous a little bit with Driscoll at right tackle anyway. If you move my to right tackle and put in Dillard, now I'm a little worried about Dillard on the left side and I have Maialata playing the weaker of his two tackle spots. So, I, I entirely agree. Yeah, so I'm just bringing in Driscoll, putting him there, and if I have to help Driscoll in any way, then that's what I'm going to do. Well, they're going to have to help Driscoll, and yeah. that's why you're gonna. it's going to be different. You're not going to have the same offense, and I guess the way you help Driscoll is you double-team, you have the tight end, mm-hmm. do some chipping. You play more 12 personnel, yeah. that kind of thing. You do yeah. that, which changes your offense a little bit and maybe takes Dallas Goddard out of the pass game a little bit. Now, I'm okay. I'm, I don't want to say I like it, but I'm fully confident. I got A.J. Brown and I got Devontae Smith and I got guys that can mm-hmm. that can catch the ball, so it's not exactly like I'm weaponless. Right. But it does change things. It does. It does make them less dynamic. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see once Hertz comes back how the offense looks if Lane isn't at 100% or if he really can't go. I mean, the the injury we're talking about here is one that really could hamper him and still possibly keep him out of the lineup. I mean, he wants to come back. That's been reported. He's going to try to play through the pain, but, man, there's going to be a lot of pain. Yeah, the latest intel is, and, and we will talk to our Cooper doctor today around 1145, He's got a torn abductor muscle, right? I'm saying it correct. Yeah. Um, and he is it's going to require surgery in the offseason. He is going to try to play through it. And uh, it could limit both his effectiveness and create a good amount of pain for the guy who's, you know, it's going to try to do it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though. My, uh, my colleague at the Inquirer, Jeff McClain, tweeted this out a couple of days ago. Back in 2020, that really awful, you know, the COVID season, the one where Carson Wentz went kaplooey. Yeah. Lane played on a bad ankle. Yeah, I remember that. And at one point during that season, Lane rolled up his pant leg and showed Jeff what his leg looked like, and Jeff took a picture of it and and tweeted it out. It didn't look like a human being's leg. I mean, it just it's swollen and purple, mm. and 
and he was playing on that. And so while I don't think, obviously he's not going to be at 100%, I think he's going to do everything he possibly can to be out there come the playoffs. Yeah, I'm and, confident he will be, yeah. and we'll see how effective he is. And, you, you know, you both applaud the guy and hope that he doesn't hurt himself exactly. worse. Which is, exactly. you know, the, these guys go out and do this stuff, and, and sometimes they pay the price later. Okay, so you mentioned uh, your concern about the injury to Avante Maddox, and I share that concern because they're already thin in the secondary it was such a strength early in the season. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was intercepting a pass every game, and Avante Maddox, well, he was hurt, but he came back and he was good. Mm-hmm. He was having a great game against the Cowboys yeah. the other day, and then he got hurt, and so he's out, and hello, Josiah Scott. Hey. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Dallas threw for 347 yards, and what was the thing? And I, I, It was that Dak, for Dak tr- was 24 for 24 against the zone, zone defense. Yeah. yeah, which is a question for the defensive coordinator that I still haven't really. Did you get an answer to that? No, I wasn't there Tuesday when Gannon, Jonathan Gannon, spoke to the media. And and to your point about the concern I have here, one of the reasons that Prescott was able to do that is that they couldn't get to him, or he was able to avoid you know the pressure from the defensive line and Hassan Reddick to a, to a large degree, and that's where some of this is going to fall. I'm not sure that Gannon. It's it's been. Relatively easy for Gannon to say, I'm just going to let our pass rushers eat and just go after the quarterback because we have Darius Slay and James Bradbury exactly. and Dante Maddox. Yeah. Now, without those guys, does Gannon change his thinking in terms of what do I have to do to, to create pressure on the opposing quarterback up front so that it takes some of the heat off of the second teamers we've got in the secondary now? Yeah. Um, so... Again, I am not overly concerned and don't want to give the sense that I am. I'm still pretty confident, which means I'm at a six and a half, which mm-hmm. means my level of panic, not panic, concern. Mm-hmm. Is it a three and a half? You're placid, Mike. Hey, Glenn, I have fresh memories of a Philadelphia Eagles team that lost its MVP caliber starting quarterback and several other players. Yeah, and, and Jason I wrote Peters. Them, and, and, I, and, and I wrote them off. And Darius Sproul. Or, Darren Darren Sproles and and Carson Wentz and Jordan Hicks and who knows how many guys. Uh, And I wrote that team off and I don't want to I don't want to do that. again. that's great. um, And and I will say this just one thing that that situation back in 2017 showed an unproven head coach and Doug Peterson and his top assistant revamping their thinking and ending up winning a championship, changing the offense to accommodate Nick Foles. You know, this is going to be a challenge for Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. Let's see if they're up to it. That's a very good point. Uh, so that's the question we asked to start. Your level of concern, 215-592-9494. I have listened to this station over the last several days, and I have heard people saying, oh, season's over. <laughs> now they're cooked. Well, that's... they're not. They're, well, I mean, if you think so, you're certainly invited to call us. And I've also heard people say, like, ah, it's nothing. <laughs> I believe the truth lays somewhere in the middle. That, that's Philadelphia, though. You go from abject fear and panic and disappointment to pie-in-the-sky optimism that nothing can touch our team. Yeah, we ride the roller coaster pretty well. Yeah, pretty much. So 215-592-9494. We'd love to hear from you. By the way, best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Shop their Center City. Stop Shop their store in Center City or Wayne Locations. Or visit shibesports.com for unique gifts for every sports fan on your list. Uh, okay. 
Did the loss to Dallas concern you at all? A little bit in that I think Dallas is a, in some ways, a worse matchup for the Eagles than some of the better teams that they might face in the conference, like teams with better records. Mm-hmm. I think they match up better, for instance, against the Vikings. Mm, they, saw that. Yeah, they might even match up better against the 49ers uh, than they do against Dallas. And I think Prescott is a big reason for that. I think while he's not in the class of a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or someone like that, he's a really good quarterback. Yeah. And he can do what he did in that game Saturday night. Um, so it concerned me from a defensive standpoint that on the fly, uh, once they lost Maddox and had to shuffle some things, the the deck of cards went all over the table. <laughs> you know, they, they couldn't they couldn't patch things up quickly. So it concerned me from that standpoint. But I think I think more than anything, take the Dallas game out of it. Just the the sloppiness that they've played with offensively, turning the ball over lately is more the, the greater Yeah, concern. the last couple of weeks, because it's something they had not done all year. They were so right. good about those turnovers. And Miles Sanders, what are you doing? Hold on to the ball. Need him to do that tomorrow. So, yeah, um, I thought that Gardner Minshew played pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the turnovers weren't good, but really two of the four – or two, well, two of the three that he did are kind of on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the in Quez Watkins certainly did not extend his give full effort on the one that he lost. So um, I I am not that concerned about that loss. The secondary is the part that really bothered me. Yeah. So I do have some lingering concern about that as we just discussed. But yeah, they were okay. just they were just so bad once Maddox left that you could not look at that and say, hmm, okay, they they really got to get that sorted out, and if they don't, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I think tomorrow against the Saints, they. I mean, we'll give our scores later, but I'm feeling pretty good about yeah, that one. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Placid, Glenn. That's the word for the show. Placid. Placid. Okay, there you go. Uh, let's go to, oh, Gary the Ref in Southampton. How you doing, Gary? Hey, bud. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good. Uh, first time I got a, uh, with Silski, and uh, I I just uh, want to tell you uh, you have a great partner there, Mr. Silski. I know he's, it. Uh, I know I do, Gary. Thank you very much. That's, he's the best. But I, I wanted to uh, wish you guys a very happy uh, happy New Year, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game. Um, unfortunately, I'm not working for Fox anymore, so I won't be down there tomorrow, oh. but yeah. I, so let me know, tell was... you about Geary, because uh, you've never spoken to him, Mike. So Geary uh, is a local guy who was a college football ref ah. uh, and was doing a game on that. Are you okay if I tell this story? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm still a replay official in the, in the match. Okay. The was doing a, a game on uh, – was refing on the field a game on national TV and sustained a heart attack oh my God. during the game on TV and went down. And I saw the game. I didn't know him at the time and saw the game. Bottom line is that was what now, 15, 20 years ago? 21 years ago. 21 years ago. As you can tell, he is fine. And in recent years, he worked as the guy at Eagles games who wears the big orange oven mitts and waves when it's time to come back from commercial. Oh, my gosh. So he's had the opportunity to stay in the biz and be on the field. Are you not doing that anymore? Well, yeah. Well, I am for CBS and uh, and uh, like the. Uh, oh, I didn't know it goes uh, by network. I thought it went by stadium. Oh, yeah. No, okay. it goes goes by network. Okay. Uh, and you know that that's the thing. They got it. The networks hire us. So yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but hey, it was harder to get back from uh, my uh, Saturday uh, replays gigs. You know, uh, and it, it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does replay for college football. All right, so let's talk yeah, about uh, the birds. What's on your mind? Yeah. 
Well, I just want to, you know, I think that um, uh, they'd be very foolish to uh, start uh, uh, Jalen Hurts uh, personally. And I, I think Mishnu, whatever his name is, Minshew. is going to be Mishnu. <laughs> yes, I think he. I miss uh, you too. <laughs> I miss you too. Yeah, uh, he's he should be uh, he should he should do, will do fine. Uh, you know, going going forward, and I think the Eagles will win big time. And um, I just think their defense is uh, pumped, and they need to they need this win very very badly. They just they just can't they they just can't uh, put any pressure on themselves. You know, so uh, and that's what I. You don't want the big show. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing I fear. Thanks, Gary. Be well, bud. Um, No, I was just going to say to kind of piggyback on what Gary said, I think that's true. I think we can overstate how good the Saints are uh, and how much this game really means to the Eagles. Yes, they they want to win. They want to get home field. Everybody acknowledges that, but they don't. It's not a must-win game, and so therefore the idea of running hurts out there um, because – we got to win now. Otherwise, if we don't, then we'll panic is is the wrong way to go. I agree with that. It is not a must-win game for the Eagles. But, it's an know, important game. We're talking about uh, how people are going to respond. So mm-hmm. you're at a 1.5 1. Yeah. panic level. I'm at a 3.5. Mm-hmm. I would say the average fan is probably a little higher than that, maybe a 4 to a 4.5. Yeah, I would say there. 5. Okay. I would say 5. You know, you know what happens around 4 o'clock tomorrow if, if they don't win? Tomorrow. Oh, well, then <laughs> Do you know we what go. The blow- <laughs> You know, yeah, they they the play that, that that horn, that siren, that eh, 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 that uh-huh. that noise will be made throughout yeah. the Delaware Valley. And you're going to be Kevin Bacon out there going, "Remain calm, calm. all is well, all is well." <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good. There's, right. a, there's a reference that uh, people born after 1990 probably no, don't they get. know that movie. You no? think? I, I don't, don't know. know. You know Animal House? I've Dan? seen it once a while ago. Yeah. So did that reference mean anything to you? Yeah, it jogged my memory. I would have made it myself, but it jogged my memory. I've seen he's, it. He's just indulging us. I think that. he is, too. <laughs> I think so. He's placating the old men in the studio. Uh, uh, all right. That's okay. Not the first time. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. We certainly have a lot of Eagles talk today as they play the Saints tomorrow. Uh, also, what else are we going to do today? Oh, we're going to talk to our pal Derek Gunn. Looking forward to that. Hey, you know what I did last night? I watched the Phillies annual video. I'm going to give you a review of that. Sounds good. I'm I'm sure it was very uh, down. It was an hour well spent. Yeah, downbeat. You know, really. Oh, you know, it just must have been rough to it review that that run of the World Series. Phenomenal. We're going to talk about that. And uh, it is the last day of the year. You and I always do what we're watching. Today we give you our favorites. You're going to do TV and movies. I'm going to do the top five things that I saw this year. All right, I'm going to do the top twenty. <laughs> I saw a lot of TV. The entire rest of the show will be Glenn going through everything I'll do him he watched. Fast. I'll do them fast. It's going to be a segment. Right around 1130, we'll do that. And we certainly want to talk to the people today. 215-592-9494. Oh, one more thing. The, uh, our, uh, this Week in Philadelphia throwback recalls a tumultuous year for the Eagles that began right after the first of the year and ended right before the end of it. And Well, gave us a lot to talk about. Crazy times. Crazy times. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. 94 WIP, Glenn Mack now, Mike Sealski. A couple things I want to bring into you. One, our stupid bet, Mike. Yes. Um, So here's the thing with the stupid bet. We, the stupid bet is based on the Eagles return game. I had confidence in it. You did not. Certainly through the first 10, 11 games, you're 
side prevailed. You get a point, and I'm going to let's tell me if I get this wrong. Every time a punt returner muffs or fumbles a punt or kickoff returner fumbles a kickoff. Right. And every time a kickoff does not get back to the 20 yard line. Correct. I get a point anytime a kickoff return goes beyond the 40 yard line. Mm -hmm. um, and anytime there is a punt return of 20 yards or more. Correct. So you were up six to one. I was. Every time Britton Covey dropped a ball, <laughs> which was happening way too often. Yes. And my side has come roaring back. It's amazing. After that horrible Week 11 game they had in special teams against the Packers, mm -hmm. it all changed. Covey got these lanes at three punt returns with 20 plus yards in a game. Boston Scott has given me a couple. Nothing happened last week to affect right. this. But we are now tied 6-6 six to six with two weeks to go. Your thoughts? My thoughts are uh, I wouldn't mind splitting the dinner with you. It will be a disappointment as to how it came about <laughs> because mm -hmm. I had such a big lead in this bet and was feeling so good about it. Um, but I do have to give the Eagles special teams unit credit, whether you're talking about Michael Clay, their special teams coach, whether you're talking about Britton Covey uh, becoming a better returner. Uh, you know, look, we're, we're going to get a great dinner out of it one way or another. We are. So whether I end up paying or you end up paying or we split the bill 50-50 because it ends up 6-6 as it is now, uh, I feel like a winner no matter what the outcome yeah, is. Yeah, you know Glenn. who wins on this thing? Dan Wilson, our producer. That's right. Dan gets to go regardless because we use it as a way to thank and appreciate our producers. That's right. Dan and Connor. I'm, I'm very much, you know, if you know me, Glenn, I'm very much an everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets a dinner <laughs> kind of guy. So <laughs> That is what we're doing, so I just wanted to inform that. So here's the other thing that happened this week, this, this past couple of days. You got into a very interesting exchange with the head coach. Um, do me a favor, set this thing up, and then I'll we'll play Nick Sirianni talking to you. Okay, so over the last, throughout the season really, and particularly lately, ever since Jalen Hurts suffered the sprained shoulder against the Bears, Nick Sirianni has talked about Hurts' ability, in his words, to heal faster than everybody else, everybody else being other professional football players and athletes. And he kept saying this over and over again. I was there Wednesday at the Novacare Complex for Sirianni's press conference, and he said it a couple of more times that he just heals faster than you. And so I asked Nick, well, do we want to play the clip or do you want me no, to say you, do we have? Is the question on the clip? The yeah. question is, okay. All well, right, let's so I, asked, I got a little – jaded and cynical and finally Do me a favor set up the question and then i'm not sure how much of the question okay so list. basically I, i'm listening to him say this and you know I'm, i ask him basically like are we talking about a superhero here does jalen have you know special abilities that other people don't have and then nick answered this way does he have a chance of course he does because his body heals his body just knows how to heal he's he's a freak and so we'll see what happens as the as the week progresses if you and him went up and you guys shot baskets together he'd whoop you if you guys went out and you guys raced against each other he'd whoop you if you guys went out and uh let's see tried to throw the football so he was to throw it more accurate or further he'd whoop you and so his body heals faster than yours <laughs> okay yeah um a couple of thoughts I have no doubt about the first three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do believe Jalen Hurts would beat you in throwing a football. If not, we all have a lot of problems, or you're this great undiscovered, you know, 
Well, I'm not Napoleon saying Napoleon Dynamite. Here. I'm not saying the latter option is true, Glenn. Uncle but, Rico. You know, I was a heck of a quarterback in uh, on the eighth grade. Were you? You know, okay. Recess. You know, at Queen of Peace School in Ardsley. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I doubt. Was it shoot baskets? Was one, and what was the other thing he can do? Run. He can. Run. He can rate. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen him run. Yeah, he's. I faster haven't seen than you I. run, but I'm thinking he'll get there before you. Was Nick? Was he annoyed with you? Was he goofing with you? Was he like what? He was goofing with me. Okay. Um, after the press conference ended, he approached me and gave me a fist pound or shook my hand or something like that, and said he was just kidding, which. Look, I, you know, this is one of the annoying things I think about having press conferences like these televised or put online immediately is that context can get stripped away. And sometimes I think it dissuades members of the media from asking questions that they ought to ask or would feel free to ask because they know it's going to be replayed on social media and on the team's website and things like that. Um, so it, it was totally good natured. You know, I saw on Twitter that a couple of anchors from the NFL Network were saying that Sirianni had roasted me or something like that, and that's fine. You know, what what annoyed me about the whole exchange, to be very honest, was not that Nick said that. It and, and it doesn't even bother me that Nick is saying that Jalen can heal faster than other athletes. I think Nick feels the need to say that because Jalen thinks of himself as a different breed of athlete and likes to hear people reaffirm that I think I think Nick feels like he has to say that because Jalen thinks of himself that way what annoys me is the idea that I'm just supposed to go along with this idea that Jalen Hurts is like the T-1000 in Terminator 2 or (laughs) Wolverine in a comic book that he can sprain his shoulder and it just heals magically or genetically in a way that's different from everybody else. No, he's he can play through the pain, maybe, but he's not healing faster than anybody else. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's actually a question we should ask the, our Cooper doctor at, at that point is, do athletes heal better because they're younger, more muscular, in better shape? Yeah. Whatever, may, right? I'm, I mean, I'm sure they probably do, is, yeah. Physically, he is superior to you. I don't know that that translates to healing quicker. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that. But either. you think that Nick's motivation in this is to placate Hertz, that Hertz is going to hear this, and if he doesn't say that, Hertz is going to be um, disappointed, whatever. I-, I think that response was not as much for me as it was for Jalen Hertz. I think Hertz thinks of himself as a different breed of quarterback, a level above his peers in terms of what he's able to play through mm. and what he's able to do on the field. And I think Sirianni wants to reaffirm that for Hurts. He doesn't want to say, well, look, Jalen's banged up and we don't know what's going to happen here. And, you know, he could play, but we're going to hold him out. No. Jalen heals faster than you and could play if we needed him or wanted him to. And he will be ready to go and will be at his best the instant he takes the field again. I think he feels like Hurts wants to hear that and needs to hear that. That's interesting. Yeah. I think I don't think I think a coach in that situation is talking as much to his own players and specifically in this situation to his quarterback as he is to us in the media and the fans. Mm. Okay. That's uh, that all right. I, I don't want to say it's disappointing because whatever. If if Hertz needs to hear that, Hertz needs to hear that, but like it seems kind of useless. Yeah. The I, fact I, that it had a message and motive behind it is a little disappointing, but whatever. Well, wow. not the biggest thing. All right, I want to play this thing that Jason Kelsey said when he was with Angelo earlier this week. 
Uh, talking about Lane Johnson and talking about how the Eagles, um, what they expect from their tackles, because I thought this was great. Damn. Yeah, he is that great. He's, he's, he's been the best pass blocking right tackle in the NFL for some time now. I mean, the only I should, there's really not anybody through the past decade that's even in his stratosphere other than maybe Mitchell Schwartz. You know, I don't think people realize how much we leave our tackles on an island and how hard of a job they have week in, week out, even against uh, the two monsters that they went up against last week and Demarcus Lawrence and, uh, and Michael Parsons. I mean, you know, Lane Johnson is, is probably, not, if not the most respected tackle in the NFL, certainly one of them by the players that he goes against. I agree with all of it, and I just thought it was interesting how specifically what he says about what we expect from our tackle, so put mm-hmm. my lot in that too. Yeah, They don't get double-team help. They're expected to do it, shut down the other guy, and Lane Johnson has done that. What is it, 28 games he hasn't given up a sack? Yeah. He's been great. He's, he's as I said earlier, Nick Sirianni called him the best tackle in the NFL, left, right, anything he might be the best lineman in the nfl period mm-hmm. uh and they're gonna miss him you know th- they just are and the i the idea that he's gonna come back and play through this pain of a torn adductor um i mean i give him all the credit gonna you know for to. doing it he's gonna, gonna have, have to do it because they're gonna miss him if he's not out there if he's at less than 100 percent. they did get to the super bowl with vitae at left tackle when jason peters went down they won that super bowl with halapulavati vitae but I gave would gave me a chance to say the name for the yeah, first time in a while. Well done. Now spell it. Yeah. Common <laughs> common spelling on that. Um but the drop off at that point from that iteration of Jason Peters to Vitai is not as great as Lane Johnson to Jack Driscoll. Yeah. And remember they still had Lane, uh Brandon Brooks, Kelsey, and Samalu. Yeah. Which is which was awesome. All true. 215-592-9494. What is your level of concern or what's your level of confidence? I don't mean to cast it as a negative, but there's a lot going on with the Eagles right now in what we hope to be a Super Bowl season. Uh, coming up at 11, we're going to talk to Derek Gunn, our pal, now with Jacob Media. And coming up next, little Phillies tidbit that we're going to throw at you. Shockingly, ESPN comes off badly. <laughs> How often does that ever happen? Uh, so you, you love ESPN. I can't. I despise ESPN, and for so many reasons. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now, for most business people, a meeting with their banker can be like a trip to the dentist. But talk to Meridian customers, you're going to hear a different story. Their business banking lenders come at things from your point of view, and they bring a ton of useful guidance and advice. But mostly, they're a genuinely fun group, and I speak from personal experience. Look, the word is getting out. If you'd like to take the stress out of your business banking, Meridian is the go-to bank. Go to meridianbanker.com. Along with Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now I'll go to the phones. We'll talk to Mitchie Tools. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, Joan. Happy New Year. Healthy New Year. You too, Mitch. Good to be with you, talking yeah. with you. Um, you know, I got, a, I got a weird feeling about this one on Sunday, guys. Uh, really close, though. I mean, some people say the Eagles are going to blow them out, but 30 to 27 Eagles. But, you know, these injuries. And, you know, I was watching the game without Hurts. You know, of course it's not the same, but you can't. The smart thing is to sit him. You can't. Some people coming in here, he's, he's got to play. Are you kidding me? You're going yeah, to risk everything. Yeah, there were, and, and I heard it a lot on this station this week, Mike. I don't know if you did, but there were a lot of people who said, like, look, if he can get up, it's football, you got to play. Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, you, that, you, would, you would disagree, Mitch. 
you know, it's the smart thing. You, you, you got a great quarterback that, you know, playoffs, you, you can't risk it. And they're going to be after him if he goes out there. So, But it's, it's going to be a tough one tomorrow, guys. It is well, real look tough. At, Mitch, thanks so much for the call. And, happy, and happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to Same you. To you. It's always good to hear from you. Look, it may very well be a tough game, but they only have to win by one, right? <laughs> I mean, and they're the better team. And, again, I think we can overstate a little bit. Uh, how much of a challenge the Saints actually present? Uh, again, six and nine team in the worst division in the NFL. So, I, I think it's okay to go in with a measure of like, look, the thirteen and two team should be expected to take care of business tomorrow. Mike, I want, I'm going to digress for a moment. Okay, give a listen to this. Citizens Bank Park and a ravenous red towel waving crowd. They have longed for Red October and now the city has its shot. Swung on, hit across, a three run home run for Reese Hoskins. It's an inside the park home run. Score! Lead off home run for Kyle Schwarber. Swing and a miss. He got it. He's got them on the pitch. It's good. Yes. Oh, I'm getting tingly. <laughs> I'm like, getting tingly. Feels like October around here. So last night we went out to dinner with friends. Went to a restaurant in Narberth, uh, which I, I told you earlier. They yes. no longer have waiters and waitresses. You now have to sit at a restaurant and order the meal on your iPhone. I'm getting to the uh, point where if they ask me to do that, I'm not going to come back. Well, I'm not going to go back. And yeah. by the way, they put in a 20% tip for me to order on my iPhone. Uh-huh. Whatever. They anyway. Give me the 20% whatever. back? Yeah. yeah okay. That, that, but I get home, whatever, 9.30, 9.45, and I learn that the Phillies have just released their video yearbook on YouTube. And I got to tell you, it was, I think, an hour and 10 minutes. Very well spent. Yeah. I can. It re- was great. I, I can remember... Um, and I'm sure Phillies fans of a certain generation will remember this, too. After the 93 season, when they, of course, got to the World Series and lost to the Blue Jays, but had that amazing one-season run, uh, the video yearbooks, one of them was called Whatever It Takes, Dude. And, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I think, and, and Lenny Dykstra narrated it. Uh, I know that one. But yeah, it would one. run on a loop, as most things did, on Prism all the time. And I, I guarantee you, that there were a number of Phillies fans of that time, and I was one of them, who could memorize sections yeah. of that year-in-review video. And I imagine the same sort of dynamic will play out as people watch this. Oh, one. rain delays, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Of, the, of every rain delay in the 2023 season, you will see this, mm-hmm. and you know what? You'll love it. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Kyle Schwarber does the uh does, oh, he the, does narration. the narration? That's yeah, cool. does a good job. Mm-hmm. He does a good job, and... You know, listen, it was an amazing season because they weren't good until they were good, mm-hmm. right? They were pretty bad, pretty mediocre, and then they fire Girardi, and then Rob Thompson comes in, and then, boom, it takes off. But Harper gets hurt, so what's going to happen? But, oh, my God, they keep winning. And then Wheeler is having this amazing season, and Nola finds himself, and they're hitting home runs, and it, and – Yes, Gene Segura is swinging to these pitches out of the strike zone <laughs> and poking them in for game-winning hits. And you just you see all of that season in an hour and ten minutes. And I have to tell you, the Phillies have always done a good job. When Dan, video Dan Stevenson did them, they mm-hmm. were always great. Yeah. And they continue to be great. And I enjoyed it thoroughly last night. And everybody go uh, – I mean, I found it through the, the Phillies' Twitter feed, but 
if you got an hour and ten minutes today after our show, not now, after. No. Wait. Watch this thing, and you will enjoy reliving the season. And by the way, Fransky in L.A. Well, all right, phenomenal. So you you went exactly where I was going to go with the the two things that occurred to me just from listening to that clip. Number one is, it's great to hear Fransky in L.A.'s calls of these big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, not only because they're incredibly good at what they do. But to be honest, because I am not the biggest Joe Davis fan, and he ended up calling most of the games on Fox, um, so it, I would prefer to hear France. Right. Well, you get Tommy Mac, you know, during sure. the games. Yeah, that, that I would they prefer did. to yeah, hear the, the Phillies yep. team broadcast yes. team. Yes. Um, but the other thing that's interesting is them getting Schwarber to do the narration. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, my coworker and friend Matt Breen did a story about Schwarber during the playoffs. He's actually a pretty diverse kind of guy he was in his choir in high school and did performances and plays and stuff like that a little kindred spirit for you that you know i respect that so the fact that they got him to narrate it is absolutely perfect well it's great all right so that's the good news here's the bad news so this that look this town hates espn well i hate espn i can't (laughs) speak for anybody else but this town does for its disrespect to the Eagles and, and any other number of sins, right? And, I, you know, I think ESPN is the worst for so many reasons, okay? Mm-hmm. I think they create false narratives that they tend to pump up. Yes. They create false heroes. They overdo some stuff. They look to make a controversy just for the sake of it. Okay. Their analytics department is the worst, as <laughs> we saw where, you know, the Eagles were. Yes. Okay. Well, they're back at it. They have a new model that believes the Phillies will finish in third place in the NL East behind both the Mets and the Braves. And let me just say, the Mets and the Braves both won 101 games last year. Mm -hmm. I certainly think the Mets went out and spent a billion dollars this offseason to get better. So I'm not going to tell you that the Phillies are going to win more games than the Mets right now. Ask me in April. The Braves I'm not so sure about. But, but, explain this. The model shows that the Phillies, who won 87 games last year mm-hmm. and went out and got Trey Turner uh, and went out and got Taiwan Walker, Craig Kimbrell, I'm not eh. so sure about that, right? We'll see how that works out, are going to slip from 87 games to 85 games. They're going to be worse next season, according to this analytics thing. Before you respond, how did they do it? These are player projections from Steamer, available at Fangraphs.com, that were used as the basis for running 10,000 simulations of the 2023 season. <laughs> Bologna. <laughs> I say, what about you? Well, I'm going to guess, and I don't know the methods that they used um, to create the simulation all that. I'm going to guess that the big factor that takes the Phillies in that model from 87 victories last season to 85 this coming season would be that Bryce Harper is going to miss the first half of the season. And so, therefore, you have to factor that into— He, he missed wh- however many he games missed two this months, last season. Yeah, he missed a couple of months last season, too. So, uh, look, ha- how do they do that? It's beyond my capacity for human knowledge. I know and am friends with some people who work on that side for ESPN, uh, a friend of mine who I covered the New York Jets with. Yeah, bring him in here. Let's smack him around. Yeah, and, and what you do get and, and what um, I think often gets missed in this whole discussion is you, you don't want to just break it down like this, but the human element, right? Like the the fact that, like does that take into consideration what 
the advantage that Citizens Bank Park was during the postseason last year and mm-hmm. the advantage it promises to be this coming full season now that the fan base is reengaged. Those are those kind of gray areas that the margins where games are won and lost and championships are won and lost. And look, will that simulation be pretty close to what the Phillies end up doing? It may very well be. Maybe they win 89 games. Uh, you know, maybe they suffer some big injury. I don't know. But on its face, I can completely understand why you would read that and go, wait a minute, how the hell did they crank this out? Yeah, see, I, this is my problem. And I, I don't want to ever come across as the anti-analytics guy because I think it has tremendous value for a team in figuring out who do we play, where does he play defense, what is, you know, what do we, what is this guy's tendencies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very valuable. I think on a whole separate topic that we'll discuss on another day, I think it's really hurt the enjoyability of watching oh, baseball. Oh, absolutely It's has. The, basically analytics solved baseball. Yes. And baseball had been the worst for it. But that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is you can create any formula you want and try to pass it off as real. So whatever formula they use, you know, this guy's uh, – what he did last year versus the year before versus his age versus we anticipate a 20% drop in this versus, you know, uh, moving into here, he's going to hit 12% more of this. Mm-hmm. But you're just creating numbers that don't exist. You're right. anticipating something that hasn't happened. And I suppose if I'm betting in Vegas, I want some of this at my disposal. But I also think that you can make up any formula you want. Like people use war. As the gospel, his war was 3.2, and the other guy's war was 2.7. Yeah. Well, war is just a series of numbers that people put together and value their importance as they do. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I do not hold it as gospel. And in the case of ESPN, I think ESPN's full of crap. <laughs> and I think ESPN is the media evil. I really do. Mm. I mean, there are other media evils out there. I yeah. Grant you, discussion of probably best not to have correct but espn is the sports media evil that has just shown itself again to be full of it well i'll i'll say two things number one with respect to espn i think they are very good one of the things that that network has become very good at and that other networks have followed and copied is having someone of prominence on the network say something that is controversial and then it becomes grist for yeah. the mill right. at that network. Then the next show debates yeah, it. Right. You know, is Stephen Colin a- Kaepernick the greatest quarterback? They, Stephen they- A. Smith says this. Yeah. Let's talk about it on this other show for the next hour. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing with respect to analytics, the example that I always think of when I get into a discussion with somebody oh, they about— they did Tim Tebow for five years right, with that thing. I was Hey, I was covering Tim Tebow at the time. I was in the teeth of that. Um, the other example I always think of when we get into the analytics human element debate is the first game of the Eagles' 2020 season. I don't know if you remember that game. Lions. Washington. 2020. Oh, 2020. I'm sorry. Yeah, The the year that that Wentz went south. Oh, okay. Okay. That first game, the Eagles took a 17-0 lead, and they kept throwing the ball even though they were up 17 points. And Wentz ended up throwing a couple bad interceptions. Washington came back and won the game. Mm. And it set the tone for the entire season of how Wentz ended up playing and how the Eagles ended up playing. And the analytics said that the Eagles should continue throwing the ball. Oh, okay. And yet, if you were watching that game, you knew, you could see that Wentz was spraying the ball all over the place and that Washington was terrible. They were a bad team. And all you had to do was not give them an opportunity to 
to a, a crack of light to to slink through, and you would have buried them. And they could have won the game 17-0, and they didn't. And that kind of stuff gets missed when you look at things just through the analytics prism. Well, your argument is very strong. Your argument is that analytics can be misused. My argument is that ESPN is an ass. <laughs> so these are separate but related arguments. And I'm sticking by mine. Okay. <laughs> ESPN is an ass. Uh, I have... I've, a couple really, really good friends who work at ESPN. Tell I can't, I I can't go to I, that level. I would enjoy speaking with them. I <laughs> okay. do too, to be honest with yeah. you. 215-592-9494. We are going to talk to Derek Gunn coming up next, one of our favorite people. We'll talk about what, how he views the Eagles. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Under the center. Sneak forward, and I think he's in. He is. He is in. Gardner Minshew sneaks for the touchdown. There you go. Gardner Minshew doing his Jalen Hurts imitation. Uh, good morning, everybody. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now joined now by well, one of our favorites, co-host of Sports Take on the Jacob Sports Media YouTube channel, Monday through Friday, noon to 3, with our pal Rob Ellis and Barrett Brooks. Also co-host of Jacob Sports Media pregame with Mark Farzetta and Seth Joyner. The postgame show with Seth, Seth, Mike Missanelli, and Devin Caney. And the Gun on One podcast, always a great one that you can watch on the Jacob Media platform or listen wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, Derek, I think we just ran out of time. Uh, see, you jokingly said that would take up the full 15 minutes. I, I timed you. You did that in exactly 14 seconds. Well, there you I'm go. proud of you. I, I, I know how to read fast. <laughs> All right. You have always been one of my favorite voices when it comes to the Eagles. So let us start with this. Uh, the big question, and I think the big question isn't Hurts because I think we know Hurts is coming back. The big question is what do they lose without Lane Johnson? And I don't know if you can project what he's going to be like when he comes back, but how concerned should we be about all that? I think I think losing Lane is a big one. Um, you, you know, you don't. Sometimes numbers are inflated, but you look at the, the Eagles' winning percentage when he's on the right side compared to when he's out. It, it's eye-opening in a lot of ways. Now, in this particular game against the Saints, um, I don't think it will be a glaring weakness, um, but. Down the road, if Lane's not able to play that, that playoff game, uh, that's huge uh, for this offensive line and for this team. Uh, and depending on what Jack Driscoll does Sunday or and maybe even next week against the Giants, um, Jeff Stoutland and the Eagles will have a lot to think about. Is, is, is Driscoll okay on that right side? Do we need to move Mylotta to the right side and put Andre Dillard on the left side? You don't like moving chess pieces around too much. You try to minimize it as much as possible. But the one thing I'm comfortable about with this Eagles offensive line and how Jeff Stoutland coaches his guys up, we've seen it time and time again when they've had to move pieces out of necessity. It's still very fluid in a lot of ways. I think this offensive line is better suited for run blocking more so than pass blocking in a lot of ways. But I still feel comfortable with with this offensive line no matter what Stoutland decides to do. Gunner. Lane Johnson might be the best player at his position in the league. And yet I agree. And yet I would be and am more concerned about the Eagles secondary 
without Avante Maddox and without C.J. Gardner-Johnson. How do you see that? How concerning to you was the performance against Dallas? And to me, that's a longer-term and some ways bigger issue than even losing Lane. Am I wrong about that? Well, you know what? That, that's, a, that's a very valid point. The good thing is they have this fierce pass rush. And I've seen a lot of defenses, you know, in the times that I've covered football, you know, you, you can have such a potent front seven, it can hide some of the deficiencies that you have on the back end. But you don't want to solely rely on it. I mean, they sacked Dak Prescott six times. He still, he still went off. After he threw that pick, he was something like 19 for 19 at one point. He played the perfect game after that. They exploited Josiah Scott in there. Um, they exploited some weaknesses on the back end as well. Now, we know C.J. Gardner-Johnson is coming back. You know, I don't know if they're going to hold him out to the playoffs, but you know he's coming back. Avante Maddox with that toe injury, and all you hear is it's a serious toe injury. You don't know if or when he's going to come back. That is a huge loss mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because I think Maddox is, is, is arguably in the top two or three slot corners in a game. And, and once you get to the playoffs, you know, offenses like Minnesota, San Francisco, they'll exploit that weakness. Um, and you don't want that to be a deciding factor at a crucial point of a game uh, in the playoffs. So let's before we get to the playoffs, let's go a little bit of tomorrow. Um, how good are the Saints and Andy Dalton? I looked at Andy Dalton's numbers. They're pretty good. I think he's got a 67% completion average. Uh, yep. I also know that they've got some injuries, but if Chris Olave plays in the slot, He's good. He's fast. He's, you know, C.D. Lamb kind of fast, and Lamb gave him all kinds of trouble. Uh, Should should we have any concerns about that Saints offense? You know what? I've seen him play several times this year, Glenn. You you just – it's like a Jekyll and Hyde offense. You don't know which offense is going to show up week in and week out. Now, they don't score a lot of points uh, on the offense. They have talent. There's no question. But they've had injuries along the offensive line. Uh, They're their best – Left guard Andrews Pete, don't know if he's going to play. Uh, he's a really good one. They've had to make shift a lot. Andy Dalton is not the quarterback he was four or five years ago, but he's one of those guys, if he gets in a groove, he, he can kill you. You know, he has 17 touchdowns and I believe eight interceptions. The big thing for me is he's only been sacked 18 times, so he's not going to hold the ball long. He's going to get the ball out of his hand. Uh, if they're going to get in a rhythm in a short passing game, if they allow Alvin Kamara to get going, because even though Alvin Kamara has not had the rushing numbers that we were we're accustomed to seeing him with, he still has over close to 1,200 yards in total offense. He's still a very dangerous entity. Um, Taysom Hill is going to do what Taysom Hill does with with that wildcat. He, he worries me a little bit. That, yeah, that does. It, yeah. And the thing is, they don't just run the ball with Taysom Hill. I've I've seen them. They have so many different variations of that wildcat that they like to use, and. You know, when we've had Lane Johnson on our post-game show, I would say over the past month or so, Lane Johnson would tell us that when they would play teams, they would see things on defense once the game unfolded they didn't see on film. This is a time of year when people start pulling stuff out of their bags and tricks that you don't get to see on film. They save them for games like this. So what do the Saints have in their bag of, of tricks that they could possibly throw at the Eagles? I don't, I don't see the Saints putting up 25, 30 points on this Eagles defense. Um but, again, you just never know. Glenn, when you think about the way this season has unfolded in general, and you look at the shock value week in and week out at least three or four times a week, 
this has been one of the most unpredictable seasons mm. week in and week out yeah. that I've seen in yep. quite some time. And I don't want this particular game to fall in that category. Well, let's look at it from then from the other side of the ball, Gunner. The Saints defense hasn't allowed more than 20 points in, I think, seven of its last eight games. Um, right. So, But if you look at their opponents over that period, you see teams like the Raiders and yes. the Steelers and the Buccaneers and the Falcons and the Browns who aren't exactly offensive juggernauts. So right. how good is their defense and what kind of problems could it pose for Minshew in the offense tomorrow? Well, they've got you know they, they've got pretty good personnel in that defense. Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport, you know they have forty sacks as a defense. Most of the sacks come from their linebackers. Marcus Davenport, uh, who I think is a really good edge rusher, he only he only has a half a sack this year. Cameron Jordan is five and a half. You got Tyron Matthew on the back of that defense. They're nicked up at the corner position, so we don't know who's playing for the cornerback. But they're they're very good scheme defense. The one thing about Dennis Allen is he's always been. Uh, respected for being a defensive coordinator. They just ha- haven't been able to finish jo- the job because the offense has not held up its end of the deal for much of this season. Um, you you have to be concerned because if they do have, if you do have Driscoll on the right side, they're going to attack that side. They're going to try to, 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 to get past the picket fence on that side. Um, will they have to keep a tight end in to help chip on the right side? Will they keep a back end to help chip on the right side? I, that remains to be seen. But that defense that defense is pretty good. You have to be ready to play against that defense. And, you know, they, they, they put more people, they're going to put more people in the box to try to stop the run. Now, I don't think their corners can match up with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith one-on-one for 60 minutes of football. So the, the, the chess game between the two, Dennis Allen, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, is going to be really interesting to watch. We opened with a highlight of Gardner Minshew. We haven't talked about him. We know what he did last week. He threw for 300 yards, also threw a couple of interceptions. Um, your thoughts on both how he looked and, well, presumably we need him this week. Next week's not going to matter, and then we're okay, right? You feel good with that? Absolutely. I think he's good enough to win this game tomorrow. Uh, he had some miscues, but he also threw for 355 yards. Uh, he made some great throws in that game against the Cowboys secondary. Um, I'm very comfortable with Gardner Minshew being in there against the likes of the Saints, and hopefully that game will be meaningless next Sunday against the Giants. Um, Gardner Minshew is a proven vet. Um, you know, it won't be the same Jalen Hurts offense, but the way they streamline that offense to fit to get him acclimated and set in. Um, I'm fine with the game plan. I mean, look, they came out throwing against the Cowboys right away, mm-hmm. caught the Cowboys off guard. Now, I I said, if you want to you want to get a quarterback in a comfort zone, especially a guy who hasn't played a, not, a lot, what what's your bread and butter in an offense? Pound it between the tackles. You can run against anybody you want to. You know, the last couple of games against the Bears and the, and, uh, the Cowboys, they didn't establish the run. They ran 33 times against uh, the Bears 29 times against the Cowboys. Yeah. But but they didn't pick up the chunks of real estate that we were, were accustomed to seeing. But I do think you can run the ball and set the tone against the Saints defense, which I do believe uh, sets up your RPOs and your play action a lot better uh, when you decide to go up top against that Saints defense. Gunner, you mentioned how unpredictable this season has been. And so I want to ask you to kind of broaden our perspective here just beyond the Eagles into the whole NFC. We know your affection for the Packers. They have won three games in a row now, and they get the Vikings tomorrow. How do you see the NFC playoff picture shaping up? And 
you know, the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers, who is not having a great season by any stretch of the imagination, but it's possible that they'll get in the tournament. And, you know, they would seem primed to be the kind of team that no one, quote-unquote, no one wants to face. How, how do you see the entire conference kind of shaking out here? Up until a week ago, I said that the, the Lions would be that team that nobody wanted to face the way the Lions are playing. You, you look at Green Bay, they've had to stumble through this season with a bunch of rookie uh, wide receivers. And the last four, three or four games, those rookies that now find their footing and they're pretty fast is uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. The biggest problem with Watson is you don't know when he's going to play week in and week out. The kid has been nicked up. You're talking about one kid in Christian Watson, a 6'5", who runs a 4'340", and the other kid in Romeo Dobbs who runs a 4'4". And they're now finally getting it at this point of the season, how they're supposed to run the routes, not dropping passes, so on and so forth. Anytime you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, even though he has not had one of his stellar years, that's a dangerous entity to deal with because you're not going to trick an Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to fool Aaron Rodgers no matter how you try to disguise your scheme. Um, when I look at a team like Minnesota, I'm not worried about Minnesota. Um, I, I've never been a fan of Ed Donatel's zone defensive scheme, and I think that's been Minnesota's big Achilles heel. I mean, 11 of their, their 12 wins have been by one score. You know, eventually luck's going to run out on a team like that. Dallas has the capability, but again, Dallas has issues on the run defense. Uh, the, the one team that I, and I, we've been talking about this for weeks, as have everybody across the nation, <clears throat> the one team to really keep the eye, your eye on is that San Francisco team. San yeah. Francisco is built for rugged football. They haven't given up more than 20 points in like eight consecutive weeks. The this, this story with this kid, Brock Purdy, and how Kyle Shanahan has done a phenomenal job of streamlining the offense to, to utilize his assets has been phenomenal. You would think they would, they would be very conservative, but you look at – they're letting the kid throw the ball. I mean, he's been very accurate. He doesn't rattle. He doesn't turn the ball over much. And when you have a quarterback that can just manage the offense, when you have the talent on both sides of the football of San Francisco and how physical they are, and, of course, Debo Samuel is coming back. I just saw yesterday they were contemplating bringing him back uh, for the game, their game tomorrow. Uh, Shanahan said we're going to hold him out tomorrow, maybe bring him back in the season finale. But you put him back in it with that Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and uh, their running back, Elijah, is, is expected to come back as well. They're getting healthier on defense, which means they had a heck of a rotation to begin with. Now they're getting healthier and stout on defense. Um, that's a dangerous team to watch. To me, that's the most dangerous team for the Eagles to face should they meet in the playoffs. I agree with that, uh, and I know Purdy has been great. Um, and, yes, is the beneficiary of great coaching and talent around him. I think a rookie quarterback coming in here, even if he is the next Tom Brady in an NFC championship game, I like the Eagles' chances. But, Derek. Uh, no question about it. We will revisit it all. It is always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Follow him on Twitter. Is it at Real Derek? What's the Twitter? I'm sorry. At Real D Gun. At Real D Gun. That's two ends. And I love the way you got the Packer stuff in there. You can take the kid out of Wisconsin. <laughs> you can never take Wisconsin. Hey, Sealski brought it up. I did. I, 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 yeah, you ran with it, though. He handed you the ball. You, you went about 80 yards. I, I know where your loves and hates are, Gunner. Yeah. All right, pal. Hey, be well. Hey, look, to two of my favorite people in the media ever since I've been here, uh, happy New Year's to you guys. The blessings to both of you and, every, and all your listeners out there. Be safe. 
and wishing you guys much prosperity, happiness, and good health in 2020. Same to you and yours. Right, right back at you, my And enjoy friend. those little grandkids of yours. Thank you. Likewise. All right, All right, pal. Be good. There you go. There's Derek. Love him. Oh, he's the man. All right, let's sneak in a call or two here. Before the break, let me go to Chris in Clinton, New Jersey, who's may have figured out the ESPN models. You broke the code, did you, Chris? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but how are you guys doing? <laughs> Great, Chris. How are you? I'm good. Well, the one thing that annoys me about the ESPN model is that they make it as black boxy as possible. Like, you go to look it up, and there's really, there's no, you know, what their assumptions are, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But yep. I, I started looking into their models a few weeks ago when um, the I mean, the Eagles were just on a tear. I think that was after the 13-1 week, and yet the football power index was the thing that everyone was quoting mm-hmm. that had the Cowboys at the top of the league. Um, the one thing that I learned about their models is that they are pretty much always going to um, weight performance in the prior year as one of the highest variables. So oh, in that okay. football, yeah, in that football power index, um, the Cowboys had a higher regular season, um, you know, winning percentage than the Eagles, and that kind of underweighted the Eagles a little bit. Where I think they were also below the Chiefs and the Bills. So you're talking about too. last year. Yeah, yeah. The which prior is, which year. is, and will we agree yeah. that in the NFL every year it's an entirely different team? Yeah, and Chris, thank you Thanks. so much for the call, and that's a hundred percent right, Glenn. More than any other league in professional sports, in the NFL, each season is its own thing. Why does it matter what the Eagles did last season when they didn't have AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick? Right. It, 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 it makes no sense. Right, it's Nick Sirianni's first year too. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's. It's built on a house of cards, which is a nice way of saying what I wanted to say was built on a house of cards. Yes, we get it. Let's talk to Jack. All right. Come on, Jack. Here we go. Sorry. Calling up Jack. Here we go. Jack from Santa Barbara. You're on with uh, Glenn and Mike here. Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Thanks, buddy. Happy Uh, New Year, Jack. Hey, Mike. You're the basketball guy. You know, I felt like I was watching a zone defense and somebody shooting over it all day long and making the shots and no adjustment on the part of the defense. Are you talking about what the are, uh, the Sixers-Pelicans game last night, Jack? No, no, I'm talking about the, the Eagles last Cowboys. week. Oh, he's talking about the Eagles and Cowboys. Oh, gosh, yeah. 24 for 24, and uh, it, it looked to me, uh, you know, and this is just me, but it looked like the Eagles were trying not to lose in that game well Uh, i mean look look i think it's hard to to characterize it that way only because it was a 40 to 34 game i mean they yeah no i mean i I get that yeah look they were they were really shorthanded uh by not having maddox and gardner johnson out there and josiah scott true that you know i'm not sure how much Jonathan Gannon and his and his assistants can coach up a situation like that. Now maybe they'll come out and they'll be better against the Saints, uh, but Dak Prescott's a very good quarterback, and it's not like they didn't get to him. They sacked him six times, and he was still able to do that. Um, so look, that it's an issue. That's why I keep maintaining that may, it might just be that losing Avante Maddox is a is a harder blow to overcome than losing Lane Johnson. That, that's a really good point, and he he does find the ball, and Scott doesn't. Yeah, so I do I do uh, agree with that. But I think I think they should keep Jalen under bubble wrap until he's hundred percent. 
What do you guys think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Jack, thank you for the call. Yeah, there's no reason to play him tomorrow. There really isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we can talk around it, and Sirianni spent the whole week kind of soft-shoeing around the question for whatever reason. Uh, But the fact is they don't need to play Jalen Hurts tomorrow. They need him for the playoffs. Get him healthy. All right, coming up, we'll take your calls at 215-592-9494. And we always love the feature of what we're watching. Mike and I will give you the best of 2022 next on 94 WIP. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack. Now, let's take in a call, and then we'll give you our best in TV and movies of 2022. Drew in Westchester, what's on your mind? Oh, hey, guys. Happy New Year. Same Same to you. you. Glenn, Mike, uh, just it's another year of uh, having it be a pleasure to listen to WIP, where no matter who's doing what shift or what host is filling in for who, it's always tip-top, and I appreciate you guys and the rest of everyone there. Thank you. So nice of you to say. Yeah, I mean, especially having lived in, you know, I've lived in New York for years, I've lived in Boston for years, and, and you know, from Philly originally area, but, you know, IP is, WIP is tip-top. So, um, on to quick thing about ESPN before my Sixers. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, ESPN, like, it's like, it's like the multinational conglomerate of sports, it's like the Procter & Gamble of sports media, and I take the good with the bad. 40-plus years ago, ESPN was like a godsend. It started doing things that, until they came along, I had to tune into like headline news to catch yeah, the sports stores true. every thirty minutes, and otherwise, I didn't know what the hell was going on. So, I, uh, listen, know, I, I used I, to watch Sports Center all the time. Do they even ha- they they don't have it on much anymore? Do they? Not much. No, yeah. they still have it. But there's Sports no- Center at eleven o'clock at night. I agree with yeah. you. And but through that, of course, that's before now. I can get it on my phone at right. any time I want it. But yes, I hear you. Give us what yeah. you got on the Sixers today. Yeah, so New Year's resolution list. Everything's on the table. Give me your rank order, top three moves you would make. It can be personnel, coaching, management. What would you do to fix the Sixers? And I'll just preface it with my own. I would. I really don't want to see Embiid or Maxi leave because you won't get value for Embiid. And so having said that, what would you guys do? All right, we'll go to that. Uh, I'll go first because I ahead. have one. Go I'm, ahead. I'm getting a new coach. Honestly, that would be the only thing that I think you can do. You're not trading James Harden. Nobody wants him. You're not trading Joel Embiid, as uh, right. the caller said. You're not getting market value from him. You can't, you're not going to trade Tyrese Maxey because the fan base would revolt. The way they're set up now, unless you're moving Tobias Harris, and I'm not sure you'd get market value for him either, uh, and he's actually been really good. He's had a good year. Yeah. I'm not sure what you can do. They are what they are. All right. All right. It being the last day of the year, it is the opportunity for us to tell you about the best things we watched this year. Mike, you go first. Okay. So we have two separate different lists here. I'm doing... I think we probably have no crossover at all. We might not. Uh, I did the top five things that I saw. Uh, I don't 
watch as much as Glenn does because Glenn is 60 and I am 40 and I do stuff and Glenn just sits around and watches a lot of TV. Thanks, pal. (laughs) I kid, I kid. But so I did the top five things, meaning TV shows, movies, documentaries, that kind of thing. Uh, So these are in descending order. Number five was Facing Nolan, which we, mm, you and yeah. I discussed yep. uh, on the show a few weeks back. The documentary on Netflix about Nolan Ryan, which was incredibly, incredibly revealing about kind of a mysterious figure. We all think of Nolan Ryan as this kind of cowboy slash pitcher. And the documentary really delves into how much of that is true. Uh, a lot of interview time with his wife to kind of give a different side of him and a ton of great baseball stories about what it was like to face Nolan Ryan and his status in the game in the 70s and the 80s and all that kind of stuff. Really highly recommended. Number four was a documentary on Netflix called Woodstock 99, which again, we talked about uh, a deep dive, kind of an investigative look at the Woodstock Music Festival of 1999, not the original in 69, the one in 99 that went off the rails and really devolved into just an absolute, you know, bleep show of uh, rioting and people getting sick and just destruction and just really bad, a really kind of intimate look at that. And as somebody from that generation, I didn't appreciate how bad a scene that was, and it was really kind of eye-opening to me. Number three, the movie Hustle with Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. Actually, there's one we saw, we both saw, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, directed by a South Philly native, Jeremiah Zagar. Terrific screenplay. Hits all the right notes of Philly. Uh, Just Sandler is excellent. Uh, The athletes that they get to star in the movie are excellent. Uh, Just a fun watch, especially if you're a fan of Philly or a fan of hoops. Number two, kind of a personal preference kind of thing. I saw a stand-up comic performance a couple of weeks ago by a guy named Tom Papa. Uh, It's called Tom Papa, What a Day. It's on Netflix. Papa is a guy who's in his early 50s. He's a father of two, kind of a hipster kind of dad, but his style of humor is right in my sweet spot. Uh, I enjoyed this so much that my wife actually got uh, her and I tickets to see Papa in New York. Oh, nice. In March. Good Um, for you. Yeah, so... Really highly recommend it, particularly if you're of that generation. You know, you have kids, you're married, you're just kind of dealing with the world. A lot of observational humor, a la Jerry Seinfeld. Very, very funny. And number one, the best thing I saw all year, I guarantee you this is going to be number one on other people's lists. I don't think there's a close second, was Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Absolutely the best experience I've had in a movie theater in years. The most fun I've had watching a movie in a long time marries nostalgia with a fresh look at a at a familiar story in a great way. The special effects are great. The plot is excellent. Jennifer Conley looked wonderful in it and was wonderful in it. Tom Cruise remains, I think, our biggest movie star, amazingly, at age 60. I loved everything about this movie. Yeah. And I, I liked it because it was a movie. Yes. It was a special event kind of thing. It wasn't it, it's it the, wasn't a, like the movies are basically two kinds of things these days. There are the Marvel superhero movies that we to, uh, I feel you've seen one, you've seen them all. And then there are the artsy fartsy movies that win the Oscars but nobody watches them. This was a movie. It was it was an event. I would 
argue that the Oscars should nominate, this should be nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. and that if Hollywood wants to be relevant from a movie standpoint, yeah, it, sh- it should win Best yeah, Picture. It won't. It they won't, won't do that, yeah. but it was the rare so- kind of pop culture moment that crossed over all kinds of demographics. All right. Very good list. Thank you. You're right. Mine's a little more extensive. That's okay. I... I realized that we were, my wife and I are going over our cable bill and thinking we better do something about this. And part <laughs> of it is that I get five different streaming services and three different pay services, of which I'm going to drop a couple. But I'm going to give you my top ten shows of the year. But before that, I'm going to give you all my runners-up. Quickly, quickly. Okay. These are shows I watched this year that I like that I recommend to you. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to list them. Barry Season 6, Blackbird, uh, The Capture, which I just watched on Peacock, enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, the Comedy Hack Season 2, Last Days of Ptolemy, Gray with Samuel L. Jackson, Lincoln Lawyer, uh, The Patient, uh, Stanley Tucci Sur- Searching for Italy on CNN, which which was great show. We Own This City, Welcome to Rex, and the documentary uh, about soccer. Winning Time, the Lakers mm-hmm. thing, I'll put that in my runners-up. Yellow Jackets and the current season of Yellowstone. These are my 10 Favorite? Oh, and um, yeah, these are my ten favorite shows of the year. Okay, starting at ten. Go. We'll count up. Number ten: Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, season two with Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. Smart, funny, clever, original show. Number nine: The Old Man on FX, Hulu. Ah. Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. in a spy thriller. Um, very entertaining, and 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 I I'm looking forward to season two. Number eight: Abbott Elementary. Ah, the the rarest of shows these days, which is a clever, funny network sitcom. Mm -hmm. And yes, based in Philadelphia with all sorts of local insider references. Number seven, Ozark, the final season. Uh, Uh, Were you an Ozark guy? We're still we never got through season one. Enjoyed it. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. I felt it was so heavy. It was like we would watch an episode and be like, "Ugh, yeah." <laughs> are we going well, to like go Breaking back to Bad? That? Listen, Ozark to me, the final season, live up to the others, and I rank it as a top ten show of all time. Wow. Okay. All right. We got to so go back. to You it should then. get back to Ozark. Okay. Uh, that was number six. Number. F- oh no. That was, well. Okay. No, I had it seven, but we'll go the other way. Number six. Slow Horses on Apple TV. Gary Oldman leads a cast. It's a British intelligence uh, agents relegated. Because they made career-ending mistakes who get to solve the crime of the century. You love your British shows, man. I love my British cop shows, yes. Number five, The Bear. Ah, FX Hulu. Heard great things about it. Yeah, Jeremy Allen White, if you watch Shameless, he was Mm -hmm. lip on Shameless. Um, He plays a world-renowned chef who has to go back to run his family sandwich shop, like a cheesesteak place, in working-class Chicago. Very fast-paced, very tense, very funny. Eight. 30 minutes episodes, they fly by. The Bear, number four, Severance Mm. on Apple TV, the most original show of the year. What what if you could undergo a medical procedure after which your identity and memories were surgically divided between your work life and your home life? In other words, you walk out of this building and you have no recollection of anything here. You go home, same comes back and forth. Wow. Um, eight-part series. Took a couple episodes to hook me, but after that, the most compelling, bingy, memorable series of the year. Okay. Severance, number th- four. Number three, Reservation Dogs, hmm. FX Hulu. I was a little late to this great series. Uh, a lot of people um, 
recommend it. I just I actually binged the first two episodes when I was locked down with COVID mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. Thirty minute shows, breezes by. Comedy series about four Native American teenagers growing up on a reservation in eastern Oklahoma. I say comedy. Uh, it's it, it's a comedy, but it has a lot of pathos. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's sometimes uplifting. You should watch Reservation Dogs. Okay. Number two, Better Call Saul. Uh, AMC. Did you watch that show? I did not. And I loved Breaking Bad. What's wrong Just, with you? I have young kids, and I have a job where I work nights. <laughs> I have neither of those. Better Call Saul, final season. Uh, of, again, one of the great series of all time. The greatest spinoff ever. Wow. Um, better, yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The better in Archie's place. Better than Joni Loves Chachi? <laughs> Uh, it's the it's the trials and tribulations of uh, of criminal lawyer Jimmy McGill. Bob Odenkirk, who's the actor, is just brilliant in the years as it leads up to his fateful meeting with Walter White and the others in Breaking Bad. Rhea Seahorn, who plays his girlfriend and then his wife, steals the final season. And the best show that I watched this year was Bad Sisters hmm. on Apple TV. Yeah, you've mentioned this one. Uh, I don't know how many people watched it. It's a bit of a sleeper. Five Irish sisters, very close bond, formed after their parents die. One is married to the worst, most despicable guy on earth. He gets murdered in the first episode. Deserves to be. Mm-hmm. The question is, who did it? Was it one of the sisters? And the other, all the episodes lead up to that. You, you know, is it this mm-hmm. one? Was it that one? We see why each of them would take a shot at it. Dark comedy, great comedy, great drama. That's it. So those are my ten best shows of the year, and it was a great year for TV. It sounds like it. You know, it's it's interesting to me how television has overtaken movies as the pop culture standard for us now. Oh, much better. I mean, it's it's so much better. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I think why Top Gun Maverick appealed to me so much was this idea that, like, you know, when when you were young and when I was young, it was like, hey, there's a new movie coming out this weekend. We got to go see it. It's Jurassic Park. It's Jaws from the summer of 75. Yep. It's, you don't get those events. You don't get them anymore. Right. I and, agree. But and Top Gun sh- was, was And that. the shows that I watch, again, other than Abbott Elementary, which is on ABC, they're on most of them, I mean, some of them are on FX and mm-hmm. Better Call Saul's on AMC, which most people get. But they're not uh, they're not shows that everybody watches because right. everybody doesn't watch anything, mm-hmm. right? It's all skewed. So some of the shows I watch are watched by a small group of people, but they're great. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. All right, I'm going to put all the, I'll put mine on Twitter. You should do the same. I will. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Paul and Marilyn, do us a favor. Hang in a little bit. We'll get you after the break. Anybody else wants to join us? We'd love to talk to you, 215-592-9494. Hey, I can tell you from my long association with the folks at Meridian Bank, they are among the best and brightest when it comes to the banking part, but they are also a bunch that likes to have a good time. Now, maybe that's why Meridian has just been ranked as a number one Delaware Valley place to work. Now, for you, that kind of company, company culture translates into both business success and a thoroughly enjoyable experience if you're banking Business banking is painful. A cure is available, and you can find it at meridianbanker.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Uh, so this is the time of the show where we talk with our friends from Cooper Bone and Joint and Dr. David Gelt. First of all, always a pleasure. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Happy New to you and yours. 
Happy New Year, and I do like your uh, list of uh, movies and shows. I'll have to talk to you about mine after. I would love Sounds to good, hear doctor. yours. Uh, we do have some injuries, including one that it seems to be the most serious and one that we know specifically what it is. Lane Johnson has a torn abductor. Uh, it is said that he needs surgery, is going to wait till after the playoffs, is going to try to come back. I guess they're going to play the week of January 20th. Right. Uh, to play, what is a torn abductor, and how worried should we be about this? Yeah, so it's, it's actually a torn adductor, which is actually the, the inner side, inner groin muscles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's the inner groin muscles. So when you're at the gym and you do the machine where you, you put your legs in and out, um, that's what that is. It connects right at the pelvic bone, right in the front, um, and it's basically considered like a lower core body injury. So a lot of times, especially with linemen, you have to use that to step off and jump and go to the side. So, it, you know, you lose a lot of your strength doing that just because you lose some of your core. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much of a tear it was, if it was completely torn off the bone or if it was just a partial tear. And it sounds like if he's going to try to push through it, he can hopefully, uh, you know, have these weeks off and then maybe hopefully try to get through the, the playoffs um, and then get surgery after that. Dr. Gale, you mentioned the lack of, I guess, power, you'd put it, that, that an injury like this would cause Lane. How much pain will it cause him? Uh, I mean, obviously he's a tough guy and all you know, linemen are very tough and that's why they don't come out of games very often. But, um, you know, it can be more of a let pain be your guy, but it sometimes can be very aggravating, especially if he tweaks or twerks his body um, in a certain position, you get a twinge uh, or a certain amount of pain there. So it can be, can be debilitating. Obviously he's going to try to you know push through it and hopefully he'll be able to do that. Um, hopefully there's some rehab in this, these few weeks off that will help him a little bit before the uh, playoff run. I guess uh, you know one of the one of the serious questions, and I imagine he wouldn't play if the answer to this is yes. But by doing so, uh, by playing, can he make it worse? Can he do permanent damage to himself? Uh, obviously, he can, he can get worse. It can get pulled off completely. You can have a huge avulsion oh. or something like that. Which you know, again, any but with any injury, you can always make it worse. Or even if you don't have an injury at all, you can get an. You know, football is a violent sport in itself. But yeah, yeah, you have to take the risk for that. Um, you know, I think he's talked to a couple doctors, actually a guru around here that does with lower body core injuries, and they've talked to him about it. So you know, hopefully uh, everything will be okay and we'll get through this. Yeah, if memory serves, um, Donovan McNabb in 2005 dealt with, I don't know if it was an adductor, adductor or a groin injury. Yeah, he had a sport hernia. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And he ended up tearing that, I think, completely and, yeah. you know, halfway through the season and missed that. And then, Doctor, we've also got Avante Maddox with this, what's being described as a pretty serious toe injury. That's all we know. Um, I, I, I don't know, other than asking, like, what's the list of serious toe injuries that would potentially keep a slot cornerback out of the lineup for the entire remainder of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking into it, and it was pretty, been pretty vague as far as what it is. And you think about something like a turf toe injury, um, where right below the toe where it meets the metatarsal, which is... You know, the, the below the toe itself, there's a little capsule, and there's some ligaments, and that can get t- torn or strained, and it's a bit difficult to really push off so you don't get the speed. Um, so I assume that's probably what he has, um, and it's something that he has to let it heal and settle down. Um, again, I don't know if it's torn completely, if he needs any surgery or anything like that sort, but you know, hopefully it's will uh, be in a boot for a few weeks, and then he can come back. All right, there you go. So, Doc, uh, I do always enjoy hearing your recommendations for TV and movies. What's your favorites this year? Yeah, I'll just give you my top. And I agree with uh, Mike. Uh, I think you're a little younger than me, but I agree with the uh, the genres that you're talking about. I think 
Top Gun Maverick, we, my wife and I were very impressed about it. I wasn't expecting much, and it was, uh, it was a great movie, so I definitely recommend that. Um, Ozark is definitely one that uh, is on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't watch a ton of movies, a ton of shows, but that is definitely one that I recommend. And then also one for, uh, for the, the kids and the family. Uh, we just saw Puss in Boots. It's actually pretty good and pretty funny. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Here, so. How, how Mike, old are might, the kids? Like to bring. How old are the kids for this one? So uh, my daughter's seven and my son's thirteen. But even the thirteen-year-old enjoyed it. And it does have a little bit of uh, some uh, Shrek-type uh, adult humor. So it's it's good for everybody. Can I can I be honest, Doctor? I my kids loved Shrek when we showed it to them. And the more I watch it, the less I like it. <laughs> it just oh, really? it, to me, it doesn't hold up. Compared to yeah. like the Pixar stuff, but that's me, and yeah. and uh, you know, it's Antonio Banderas, I think, who does the voice of Puss in Boots. So yes, maybe, maybe yeah. somebody else will find it more yeah. funny than I would. Uh, you may enjoy it, Doc. Always a pleasure. We uh, look forward to talking to you, and again, to you and yours, have a great New Year. All right, good. Happy and safe holiday. All right, bud. Be Thank well. you, Doctor. You, you too. Bye bye. The Lane Johnson stuff, man. I just that didn't it, sound it, good. It, no, well, it, it it doesn't sound good, but it's. You can't not cringe. Yes, when he says that, like yeah. you know, what could happen? Well, you could rip the muscle off your groin entirely. Yeah, like yeah. That. What's what's the line? Oh, oh there's go- there's going to be tearing. There's going to be ripping and bursting, and oh. oh, not good. Can't stand up straight after no. I talk about that. God bless you, Lane Johnson, and good luck. Paul in Maryland is with us. Hello, Paul. I a uh, good. Good, good, good morning. Enjoy your show as always. Thank and you. I, Thanks, Paul. And I just wanted to share my comments on ESPN. I agree with you. There are three reasons I really dis- dislike them. Mm-hmm. They're one of the key points on their on their business model is 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 make people that don't want it have to pay for it. Um, in yes. most of the cable contracts in the past, I imagine it's still in effect that they would force the cable company to agree that from the most popular cable package on up, they had to be Yeah, I, I think it's the most expensive um, single thing I think everybody pays for. Quickly, what's your others? Uh, 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 two, it is a uh, uh, sports uh, center is an ad, ad, an ad fest, at least when I went and, and watched it in the past yeah, 20 to 25 minutes of ads. <laughs> On the hour and uh, the third, yeah, they stick in the thing. And yeah, what's third? Um, contrived controversies. I would think that a lot of the of the contro of the real controversial things that the commentators make, they are either in encouraged encouraged or or forced to say them so then they have you know something yeah. yep. to to debate even if it didn't make sense to begin with yeah well that, and thanks for the call and that's you, that, that's what you brought up earlier which yeah. is they you know have to find issues to fill listen we can be accused of the same thing i suppose yeah but, try not to but generally speaking i think the difference is that espn will use something that its own people said 
as the fodder for the debate that they're going to have. It's one thing if if we take Nick Sirianni saying something that's interesting or controversial and decide and discuss it and decide, oh, okay, well, he was smart, he was dumb, he was this, he was that. It's another thing when an ESPN personality makes an outrageous claim and then they take that claim to the next debate show and spend yep. the next hour talking about that. That's completely manufactured. Yeah, I, I agree. Listen, there are certainly parallels between sports talk radio and the ESPN talk shows. Just kick me in the head if I ever fall into that stuff. Well, I, think, I really try not to. I, I think the And it's one of the re- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to ramble for a second. That's okay. Go. It's one of the reasons I enjoy working with you. It's one of the reasons I enjoy working with Jody. It's one of the reasons I enjoyed working with Ray for 21 years is we always resolve. We're not just going to kick around a subject because we know it's going to elicit calls or we're not going to sit before the show and say, okay, I'll take this side, you take that mm-hmm. side. And we're, we're not going to use the audio form of clickbait. Yeah. And I appreciate working with you because we ain't doing that. Well, I appreciate that too uh, in you. And I would say I think that the more direct parallel – isn't necessarily anymore between the ESPN debate shows and sports talk radio as much as it is between the ESPN debate shows and the political debate shows you see on Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, where it's simply just, okay, we have someone from the left, we have someone from the right, they're each going to take the most extreme position, and let's go at it. And even anymore, you don't even have that because you don't want the, no. those networks don't want their audiences to hear anything that they perceive the audience doesn't want to hear. I agree. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Take your calls coming up. And yeah, this week in Philadelphia sports history remembers a very tumultuous year with the Philadelphia Eagles. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now on ninety four WIP. Twelve o'clock hour here on ninety four WIP. Glenn Mack now breaking me in, <laughs> allowing me to come in out of the break. Yeah, you got this thing. Yeah, um, you know I feel like a seven or eight year old learning how to ride a bike. There you go. I'm kind of wobbling gonna, along the street uh, here. Dad's going to stop running behind <laughs> you and let you go. Do you remember that, by the way? I'm I'm, I'm sorry to digress. That's okay. I, I'm asking you to bring it back and I interrupt you. But do you remember learning to ride a bike? And I assume most people have the same experience. It was my dad running behind me on the bike, trying to build up my comments like, you got this, you got this. And then I'm riding, and, I, and I'm like looking back or talking to my dad and realize like he's not there. Not only do I remember that, I spent the first month or two of the pandemic, since couldn't interact with anyone, uh, teaching my two sons oh. how to ride bikes. So oh, I nice. was doing that yeah, 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 in the yeah. driveway yeah. until they were able to head on out on their own. A lot of skin and knees. Wasn't too bad. Really wasn't too bad. They did okay. okay all things good. considered, they really did okay. Oh, we oh. lost the caller. All of that, and we lost the caller. I was going to have you call up the caller. We <laughs> lost the caller. All right. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank. Regional presence, community touch, Meridian Bank. Innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. All right. It is time for this week in Philadelphia sports history. And this is a – I love this one. Mm. By the way, 215-592-9494. The guy who was just calling about the Eagles offensive line call back. Anybody else is welcome to join us. All right. I take you back, Mike Sielski, to January 2nd, 2015. Mm-hmm. Huge shakeup. Jeff Laurie, and I remember where I was, and I'll ask you in a moment. I was on the air on 94 WIP 
in the I, I must have been filling in because it wasn't my normal shift. I think I was filling in on middays, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, all this stuff starts breaking, Pop, popping, popping. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff Laurie demotes Howie Roseman, who is, as you recall, banished to the other side of the building, right? The blue, the broom closet, or wherever he was, and gives Chip Kelly complete control of football decisions. What do you remember about that so, day first? So here's what I remember. I, I had to do some some internet sleuthing here to come up with the column that I wrote on January 1st. Because if you remember, and this is this feels like it was 100 years ago, part of what precipitated this was the Eagles' decision to fire a guy named Tom Gamble, who was their vice president of player personnel, and he was Chip Kelly's kind of right-hand yeah, personnel guy. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he gets fired. And I write a column saying, well, look, Chip, this is to be expected if you know anything about the Eagles' hierarchy and the way they operate things. Jeffrey Lurie trusts Howie Roseman, and this is how they do things. And then literally the next day, the Eagles sent out a press release, and I think I was sitting in the Inquirer newsroom uh, when this came across my email, saying that Howie Roseman had been demoted and Chip Kelly had been promoted to— vice president of player personnel and was now in charge of the whole schmear. Yeah. So I had a little bit of egg on my face at the time, well, but I kept we'll, telling people what we're going to talk about Yeah, now. let's get there. By the way, This Week in Philadelphia Sports History is sponsored by Shy Vintage Sports, where there is a story in every stitch. Shop their center city or Wayne locations or shybsports.com for the best Eagles playoff gear. Best caller of the day gets a uh, $50 gift certificate to Shy Vintage Sports. Okay, so Chip takes over, mm-hmm. right? It was just about eight, God, that was eight years ago. Eight years ago, eight yeah. Eight years ago, as of January 2nd. And you remember that offseason. He trades LaShawn McCoy. He tra- he uh, he trades Nick mm-hmm. Foles. He, they let Macklin go in free agency. They toss out Evan Mathis and mm-hmm. Trent Cole. And he brings in Sam Bradford and Byron Maxwell and... Kiko Alonzo. Yes, Kiko Alonzo. Kiko like football. And, and the uh, the guy who was the rushing champion in 2014. DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray. Remember the DeMarco Murray watch? Oh, his, his plane has landed. And there are the Eagles representatives to greet him. And it was like, uh, I don't know, watching O.J. Simpson and the Bronco was that all the, over wait, again. But let me just back up for a second. Was that the Frank Gore year? No, Frank Gore was before that. It was. Okay, yeah. it's, so it wasn't like we thought it was going to be Frank Gore, th- and then it think, wasn't, and then it was DeMarco Murray? I don't think so. Okay. Ma- maybe I'm wrong about that. But I do remember this. It was March, because I remember watching this on TV, and and Ray was doing it on TV, along with a Barkan, I forget who else, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden, Chip makes the trade, where he trades McCoy... And for, could you, um, Dan? He, would you call up the trade? He, I think it was straight up. I the, think it was the Bradford Lashaw- trade. Oh well, the Bradford trade was, I think, straight up. Bradford, the Eagles got Bradford, the Rams got Nick Foles. There might have been a draft pick in there. But that's the thing, because here's what I remember, and I'm thinking this, and Ray saying this on the air: the Eagles have traded Nick Foles for Sam Bradford, and thinking, well, there better be a draft pick involved in this. And there was. And there was. Dan, you got this thing? Yeah, so okay. March 10th, 2015, Bradford was traded to the Eagles along with a 2015 fifth-round pick in exchange for Nick Foles, a 2015 fourth-round pick, 
and a 2016 second round pick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and also, How do they get the second out of that it? That Frank Gore thing was that offseason. It just, was. Just okay. before DeMarco Murray. Yes. Okay. So that, that okay. My memory for once was correct that we thought they were going to get Frank Gore for like 12 hours. That's that's former Eagles legend Frank Gore to you, know, Mr. Be- McNow. It has become a running joke. But, but, um, Chip ends up giving away, and I understand Foles was no good anywhere other than here, but he was great here. Yeah. Came back and won a, came back later and won a Super Bowl after Chip. So you got that whole crazy off season, and now we go a year later. Well, 360 days later. Not even a year later. 360 days, December 29th, mm-hmm. 2015. So that would be two days earlier than today, seven years ago. The team is six and nine, and this happens. Yeah, I'm sure he wished him every success. <laughs> that, I remember exactly where I was okay. when that news dropped. And I hope I'm not speaking out of turn by by sharing this story. I was in a parking lot, sitting in my car, in the parking lot of a funeral home. Oh. Jeff McClain's mother had just passed oh, away. okay. And Jeff was there. And here's the guy who covers the team Yeah. for for the inquiry right and that's where that's when the news dropped yeah and it, it was just a stunner it was a complete stunner as badly as everything had gone that season you were still blown away by the idea that Lurie would have acted that quickly to get rid of chip do you remember the story that came out at the time or the rumor that came out of the time that chip refused to go to jeff's christmas party the holiday party the holiday eagles hard holiday and by the way there may be some merit to that mm-hmm. i don't know that anybody ever officially wrote about that or it was just a rumor no but that the eagles and, and it, it's it's it is kind of a big deal the eagles had a holiday party and everybody's supposed to go and the head coach refuses to go mm-hmm. which humiliates the owner and is a bad look for everything and well he got fired a couple days later yeah and it didn't help Chip's cause that they were six and nine and were supposed to be the greatest team in the history of teams, uh, especially after that preseason. If you remember the preseason, Sam Bradford looked like, you know. Oh, he had that one game. The gene splicing experiment of Dan Marino and Joe Montana. (laughs) I mean, he looked incredible. Yeah. And then they come out of the shoot and they lose their first two games, including a game to the Cowboys at home where they could not do anything right at all. And it just was awful from the word go. And Bradford ends up getting hurt. We could have a whole discussion, honestly. Um, they were 7-6 and six that season in games that Sam Bradford started and finished, which I think is one of the more interesting stats. Oh, because in they were 7-9. and nine. They were 6-9 and nine when Chip got fired, and then the last game They won the, the last year, game that Pat, Pat Shermer, Shermer coached. Coaching yeah. legend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Greatest head coach in Eagles history. Um, but it was just such a weird, weird time for that franchise. And – you have this rubble at Jeffrey Lurie's feet. He's the guy who hired Chip. He's the guy who turned over all this power to him as like a tryout. Like, okay, Chip, let's see if you can do it. And, of course, of course, Chip couldn't do it. And then he fires Chip, and he ends up hiring Doug Peterson. Yes, and and I'll give you my thoughts on that in a second. And how he comes, comes back. back. 
how he gets resurrected, Howie Roseman, mm-hmm. who looked, and all credit to Howie because he hung around. Yeah. Bided his time, and we've talked to him about it, like did work, did research, learned how to do things and so on. I remember studied franchises in different sports around the world, what makes a successful franchise, mm-hmm. lands the job back, and basically puts together the team that wins the Super Bowl two years later with Doug Peterson. Yeah, it's amazing. And when you think about it, too, think about this season and that the Eagles are having and how down everybody was on them after the 2020 season, right? Like Carson Wentz doesn't want to be here. They got to trade him. They got to hire a new. They fire Peterson. They got to hire a new coach. And two years later, they're 13 and two and on their way to the top seed in the NFC. Same dynamic played out when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, very so, much. Two years earlier, they were you know fiery rubble. And you know what does does Jeffrey Lurie know what he's doing? And within two years, and how he's got to be fired? Yeah. Yeah. And and there they are on you know U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis celebrating a championship. Well, this year is so much like that in terms of. You Howie that year, all of those short-term free agents he signed really worked. Yep. Right? Like the, the Patrick uh, Patrick Rob- Robinson, Robinson and Chris Robinson, Long. Patrick Peterson, and yeah, and Chris Long. Alshon and Jeffrey, Torrey Smith. Garrett Blunt. And yep. Yeah, all of those guys really worked. They mm-hmm. didn't hang around, but they really worked. This year the same, although this year he has been able to hire two, or excuse me, sign, trade for, sign two really big guys, Hassan Reddick on defense and uh, 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 Brown on, on offense, okay. who have been great. Um, quickly, when Chip was hired, what was your thought and expectation? Well, let's see how this plays out. And, you know, the guy seems like he's smarter than everybody else, that he's figured something out. Let's Let's see what he does. And for most of that first season, it looked like he was the real deal. And then even into the second year when he gets when Nick Foles gets hurt and Mark Sanchez becomes the starting quarterback and Sanchez is playing better than he's ever played in his career it's like oh my gosh this guy really must be a magician and then the bottom just fell out. I when they hired him I thought this is uh, listen, remember he was the most sought after guy yep. that year right I think yep. the Browns wanted to so there were like four or five teams oh, that yeah. wanted to sign yeah. him Lurie got him like that was the big name I was really excited and then that first game against Washington, oh, yeah. where the offense was unstoppable, I thought, like, hey, we have the next Bill Walsh. Yeah. I really did. I was so excited about yeah. it. And, uh, and, and, even, the, and the first year, you're right, first year was great. And, and that even led me to think that the, the Foles-Bradford trade wasn't that bad because Bradford had been the number one overall pick, the consensus number one overall pick, playing for a bad organization at the time in the Rams. Right. And maybe there's something to be unlocked here and Chip will be the guy to do it. Yeah. I don't think Sam Bradford was as bad as people made him out to be uh, while he was, was here. Check wasn't down, great. Check down, Sam. He, they were they were a winning team when he played. They yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, he wasn't. The, listen, he wasn't the worst ever, but he no, was no. But close people to people it. acted like he was dog bleep, and he uh, wasn't. All right. What was your wow? I did not expect a Sam Bradford defense this Sorry. part of the show today. Sorry. What was your thought when they hired Doug Peterson? Give him a chance. I don't expect much, but give him a chance. That's what I expected. That they had to settle for him. Well, no, that's not what you expected. That was that was what you said. What did you expect? I expected mediocrity. Okay. I expected mediocrity because the feeling was that they had settled for him and that they were hiring him because uh, he was Andy Reid's understudy and and Andy was his protege. That's and, right. Wasn't it Ben McAdoo? Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and Tom and Coughlin. They I think? interviewed Coughlin. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know who else they they almost got. 
Adam Gaze. Right. Remember, he was the hot name. That's right. And they lose him to Miami. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! That's like the, it's so funny how fate works out. It is the same sort of dynamic played out when they hired Sirianni. They could have hired Josh McDaniels, mm-hmm. who hasn't exactly worked out in Vegas. Uh, there have been other big names that have come down the pike, and you know they went with a quote unquote lesser name in Doug, and it turned out great. And they've gone with the same sort of dynamic with Sirianni, and it's turned out fine so far. Yeah, I'll be honest and give you my uh, freezing cold take, which was uh, Ray and I are doing a show, and a caller. We're talking about who the potential coaches could be. And, again, I think Matt G- uh, Adam Gaze was, mm-hmm. like, the, the very hot name yeah. at the time. And we're talking about, well, are they going to get him? What do we think of McAdoo with uh, New York and so on? And a caller says, I think they're going to hire Doug Peterson. Who's, mm-hmm. We had not heard that name even in speculation. And Ray and I both laughed. Wow. Thought it was a joke. I, I never got out of Doug Peterson as that quarterback, the bad quarterback mm-hmm. before Donovan, who yeah. was kind of Andy's placeholder. And Doug came in, and the first year was pretty good, and the second year was great. Well, and, I, and I see a lot of parallels with Nick. The, the first year was pretty good, and what you could see was the way he called plays and designed an offense, and they didn't have the personnel to make it work beyond Wentz as a rookie. Yeah. You know, remember their one of their receiver their receivers were Nelson Aguilar and Doriel Green Beckham and guys yeah. like that. Yeah. And they, just they didn't have the talent to be able to run it the way they hey. were able to run it in yeah. 2017. Yeah. And there are a lot of parallels to Nick because yeah. when Nick came in, I think everybody will remember the first news conference he had where it's the pandemic and he's by himself in a room and he's not prepared for it and he was trying way too hard to impress. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was flops at rich co-tidy and mm-hmm. public relations disaster. And then he starts out, where they start? At two, two and five, five. Right? And it's, I, I, there were people calling for him to be fired. I, I was not among that. You got to mm-hmm. give the guy the chance. But I had no expectation, and I give Nick Sirianni so much credit, that he took that ship, yeah. turned it around on a dime. Yeah. So they're 2-5. and five. They finished last year 9-8. Nine nine and eight. And eight, So that's 7-3. and three. And mm-hmm. so this year, 12-2. and 19-5. and 13-2. and 13-2. 20-5. and Yeah. 20-6 and six if you want to count the playoff game. But, okay, fine. 20-6. and six. Then, Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he was willing to change their entire offensive structure, so to speak, after going to two and five and saying, you know what, I can't, the, the, Jalen Hurts isn't ready yet for us to make him the throwing centerpiece of the offense. We've got to run the ball. We have strength yeah. in the offensive line. And they just became the best running team in football after that. And now they've swung back to being able to throw it as well as anybody in the league. Yeah, a lot of credit. Anyway, the Chip Kelly era, man. That was that was funky, man. I was there. That was nuts. I was there the day Nick Foles threw seven touchdown passes in a game with Chip Kelly as his coach, and I was there on Thanksgiving Day, twenty fourteen, where Mark Sanchez. That was against the Raiders, yeah. but then Mark Sanchez Rosh Hashanah wallops the Cowboys on twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. and they're on Thanksgiving twenty fourteen, and they're nine and three, and they've beaten the Cowboys, and you're thinking they're going to go to the Super Bowl with Mark Sanchez as their freaking quarterback, and then that was it. Yeah, that was it. Anyway, all right. Well, that's our uh, This Week in Philadelphia Sports History. All right. Uh, we got time for you. We're looking to take some calls in the next segment. Again, best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. We should work in the other teams. We should discuss some Sixers, maybe come oh, yeah. up, see what they got. But we would love to hear from you. 215-592-9494. 
Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now 94 WIP. Hey, Dan Wilson, do we? who is the frog gargling saltwater that we're making fun of there? Because we play That's that Patrick all the, Mahomes talking. That's Mahomes. Oh, oh right, okay. right, right, right. And then Reed saying thought. froggish. Okay. It's, it's good to take shots at a historically great quarterback who has won a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, whatever. That's our, that's our branding. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. All right, Nick in college, Phil, always a good caller, wants to chat some Eagles. What yeah. are you thinking, Nick? Listen, uh, happy post-Hanukkah, happy New Year to the whole family. Thank you, you and Mike. And, Thanks. And Thank everybody you, in Delaware Valley. Yep. Seriously. Good health and prosperity next year. Uh, so before I get to the Eagles tomorrow, Glenn, I remember that Doug Peterson call. It was the last. You remember that? Phone, it was the last phone call of the show. You were like, "Okay, before we get out of here, let's get uh, yes, you know, Joe from South Philly." And it was so hilarious. I think Glenn, I think um, Diddy said, "Well, we can't end the show on that note." And you guys took another call, and and what was it like? I, I think months you later, right. we're just shaking our heads, like, "What just happened?" I think you're right. I had no – it was not on my radar to think that Doug Peterson would be a candidate. And the caller, like, made a great argument for it and said, listen, I think this is going to happen. I don't know if the caller had any information. I think the caller was from Kansas City, actually. And, um, yeah, yeah, and there we were. And he connected the dots that all yeah, he made did. sense he was ahead of afterwards. It. Right, that guy figured it he out before so, anybody. Yeah, so. Yep. So I feel like you had insider trader information now. That I think you might have. Yeah, <laughs> we should have put the we should have bet you know seven dollars on that. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, tomorrow, you know what? I, I was been worried all week about this game, but now I kind of just kind of took a step back and went, you know what? Birds dominated home all season. This season they they played much better at home than on the road, offensively and de- defensively. Uh, Minshew, listen, he had a charming, soft, cotton candy Quez Watkins just giving up the football. Um, and really, they, they scored a tons of points in Dallas. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like they're going to dominate this game. And with once New Orleans gets behind, I kind of feel like the game's over. So I feel kind of comfortable now. Yeah, Nick, I think you're you're right on there. And, you know, as usual, if I could, you know, thank you so much for the call. Take care, guys. Um, yeah, I, I feel that way, too. Look, if they can't beat the Saints tomorrow, and I think I said this earlier in the show, I know I said it in the column I wrote for today, if they can't beat the Saints tomorrow, then they're not the team that we have thought they were this entire year. Uh, this is a team that sh- they should beat. They just should. This is you know, playing the Giants. This is playing Washington. And I know they lost to Washington because they turned the ball over a bunch. But this is playing Indianapolis. This is a game that the Eagles should win. And... The idea of panicking going into it or being too worried about it just strikes me as kind of um, being alarmist for the sake of being alarmist. I agree. I mean, and and you know, there are people who gets get nervous about anything. Something uh, anytime there's some adversity, but you didn't. And there, there was discussion, if you recall, back in October, like, hey, they could go seventeen and zero. Yeah. Is it good for them to lose a game because then they'll get it out of their <laughs> right. system before the Super Bowl? It's never going to be easy. No. It's just not. And no. so and I, they're going to lose a game or two. Yeah, and I also think what's what's working into this beyond just the fact that Hurts is injured and Lane Johnson's injured and Devontae Maddox is injured is that they lost last week to the Cowboys. 
they struggled to beat the Bears the week before that. So people have this feeling has been building of like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're staggering a little bit. Let's just see how things play out tomorrow. Yeah. All right, let's get a little Sixers talking here. They lose last night in New Orleans. C.J. McCollum gets 42. Would he have 11 three-pointers? 11 threes, yes. Wow. Um, shows, what, shows what a man can do with a journalism degree, Glenn. He graduated from Lehigh University with a degree, bachelor's degree in journalism. Is that right? He's making it work, wow. man. Wow. There you go. He's going farther with his degree probably, than I am with mine. I'm saying probably making more than anybody <laughs> in his class, I would think. But I would th- think so. There you have it. Um, yeah, they did a really bad job. The Pelicans are good, so okay. The Pelicans you, are really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to lose the game. Uh, Joel Embiid at 37, by the way, eight points last night. But let us kind of talk about stuff that happened during the week because all of a sudden there was some James Harden drama what do you make of all that? Well, what I make of it is, and we're referring to, of course, the report by Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN. One of the things I like about ESPN, Woj is a friend of mine, um, that James Harden would consider signing with the Rockets in the offseason and returning to Houston. What I make of it is this. By the way, he's got a two-year deal with an out after the first year. Yes, here, right? correct. Okay. Correct. What I make of it is this, and I said this when Harden signed the deal last offseason. James Harden doesn't have very much leverage in the NBA. Being with the Sixers, playing for Daryl Morey, who values Harden more than any other executive in the NBA does, Harden is already in the best possible situation for himself. He's with a team that theoretically anyway should be competing for a championship. That's why he was brought here. He's playing for the executive who loves him, who built his career on him. And if he doesn't love it here, or if he wants to get paid to be here, then he's got to create some leverage. Because looking around, based certainly on the postseason last year uh, that he had where he wasn't great, and looking at the situation now, there's going to be no bidding for his services. Mm -mm. So if he wants to get paid, he's got to create leverage. And the idea of going home to Houston where his family is, where he's familiar and where he played and where he enjoyed it – that's his opportunity to create leverage, and he's going to do it, he's, and he's going to have his agents do it on Christmas Day, which is almost like the unofficial opening day of the NBA season when people are paying attention to the NBA. So are you saying that when you say he's doing it for leverage, he's doing it because he wants to stay here and get a better deal, or do you think ultimately he would prefer going home to Houston? I think he wants the best financial deal. That's what I think. Okay. If it's in Philadelphia, great. If it's in Houston, great. That's yeah, what I, I, think. I don't know. I mean, if he wants to win a title, I don't think Houston's the place to go. I don't know how high winning a title actually matters. I mean, that's what ranks. he says out loud. Yeah, he says a lot of things out loud. <laughs> His actions speak to something else. If he, if he had wanted to win a title, he might have worked harder to make it work in Brooklyn, where he had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. He right. didn't. Right. Right, know, right, 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 right. If if he wanted to win a title, he would work harder to make it work with Joel Embiid and be the kind of player that the Sixers need him to be to thrive with the players that they have now. It ain't quite working the way No, people... it is not working. Um, it might have been Howard posed this question the other day. It might have been Howard asking. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but it was a compelling question, which is, do you think the Sixers have a better chance to win an NBA title or get eliminated in the first round? The way the conference looks now and the way they're seated now, I would say the first round. Yeah, I do too. 
Because, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they get eliminated because they're they're not going to have the as as it is now. They're not going to right. Are they the five seed now? Yeah, I think so. Okay, check that. Well, that would put them on the road for the first series. Right now, they're the five seed. They and would be the on the road against the Cavaliers. Yeah, they could beat the Cavaliers, but but not necessarily. Not necessarily. And then after that, you're going to end up playing the Celtics or the Bucks. Yeah, who would be heavily favored and rightfully so. Never mind the or fact. Or both. Yeah. Never mind the fact that Brooklyn is the three seed is now eleven games over five hundred and maybe has figured some things out. All right, let's say right now they win the first round, so they uh, do that, and then they would play the two seed in the second round, which Mil- is Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Well, they 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 might play the one seed if it if it all, all right. evens out, which would right, be Celt- the, the Celtics. Celtics. And in the third round, they would play Milwaukee. Yes, or Brooklyn. Or oh God, please not Brooklyn. <laughs> Just I don't want to I, I don't I don't want that storyline I don't want the Ben Simmons redemption storyline I don't want it either but reality is what reality is right yeah, now Okay well there you go Yeah All right Mike Sealski I hold in my hand a folded piece of paper <laughs> and on this piece of paper is the exact final score of tomorrow's Titanic tilt between the Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. I want you to give me your score and then reveal what, in fact, will be the final score. All right. So, as I've said the entire show, I'm not as worked up and worried about this game as some people might be. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to have a relatively easy time handling the Saints. I think even without Avante Maddox, uh, the Saints are going to have a tough time moving the ball and scoring against the Eagles' defense. Not a big Andy Dalton guy. They do have some talent offensively. Uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball well enough against that Saints defense, which is the strength of that team, but not quite good enough to stop the Eagles. So I'm going with Eagles 24, Saints 13. All right, so an 11-point difference going there. Yes. All right, and I wrote down what will actually happen. And on Glenn's folded piece of paper, Eagles 28, Saints 17. 11-point difference. 11-point difference. You and I are often really close on these things. And occasionally correct. One, every once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, the, the Saints aren't very good, and they're injured, and this town is coming back to town. It's been on the road for three straight games. Mm-hmm. I do put. I think it's going to get a big lift being home and from the home crowd and living at home. Uh, the Lane Johnson thing worries me in the short term more than the Hurts thing because mm-hmm. it's the, the Jalen and Jalen Hurts is great. I don't in any way mean to diminish it, his greatness. And when he comes back, they have a chance to win the Super Bowl that they don't have with Gardner Minshew. But for right now, they got to figure out the right tackle spot. And to me, the answer is short passes mm-hmm. to your two wide receivers who both already have a thousand yards. Eagles have two wide receivers with a thousand yards gain. And a running back, Sanders, with a thousand yards rushing. They've never had that in their history. Yeah, they have weapons like they have never had. I know the game's changed, but all in still, slant passes to AJ Brown, Miles Sanders running behind the left side of the line. Jordan Mailata, you're doing a lot of run blocking today. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, there you go. Jason Kelsey pulled to the left. They normally pull to the right. Pull to the left. Uh, 120 yards for Miles Sanders. Uh, the Eagles, by the way, the Saints never pick off the ball. No, four interceptions all season. All year. Yeah. So I'm less worried about Minshew throwing an interception. Their pass defense is good, but they don't intercept anything. Eagles are going to win it. It's going to be comfortable. You know, you you touch on what I think is a really interesting and important point, which is that when, certainly I did this in 2017 following the Eagles that year, 
when a team loses key players to injury, we start to think about, at least I do, how do the coaches adjust to this schematically? Do they change a strategy? And certainly Doug Peterson and Frank Reich did that where they kind of revamped the entire offense once it lost Carson Wentz so that they could accent Nick Foles' strengths. Your point about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith just being terrific wide receivers, that's what I think will help the Eagles get through this is just they have better players on the outside than the other team does. Mm -hmm. So just throw them the ball and let them go get it to a certain degree, and that should be enough to to help the offense move the move the ball and score points. Mitchu does not have the arm that Jalen Hurts has, clearly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking for long passes. I'm looking for short stuff and I think you know all that. It's why I always like Goddard. Goddard may be required to do as we yeah. talked about earlier, help on the right side, do some blocking, certainly some chip blocking. So I think my wide receivers are going to do it. By the way, for what it's worth, the franchise record for wide receiver catches in a year is 89 by Irving Fryer. Mm who's been posting on Facebook that he knows his record's in jeopardy. Oh, wow. And also noting on Facebook that these guys have one extra game than they used to. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. I should have called that up when I brought it up. See if you can call up the Eagles' stats yeah. real quickly because there is a possibility that one or both of these wide receivers could beat Irving Fryer's record. And, by the way, A.J. Brown could beat Mike Quick's franchise record for yards in a season. All right. Well, are we going to do this over – um, 17 games and equated, or we're going to do... Well, what, what does he have now? So, so A.J. Brown has 80 catches. Okay. So if How many gonna, does Devontae have? Devontae has 79. Okay. So It's going to take a big game tomorrow to do it. Yeah, for and one of them to do it, yeah. If for either of them, and if the Eagles win tomorrow, I don't know that either of them is even going to play that last game. Right, but to be fair, like... It, Fryer set the record and Mike Quick set the record in 16 game seasons. Yes. And tomorrow is the Eagles' 16th game. Correct. So it's the whole like Roger Maris, Babe Ruth thing all over again. They get more games to exactly. break the record. With so, that, yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. interesting. Okay. So 28 to 17 tomorrow, I say, and you say 24 13. And we'll all be feeling fine. Exactly. Heading by into dinner a, on New Year's Day. Heading into a game against the Giants that won't matter to the Eagles. All right. This hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, regional presence, community touch, Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Coming up, we're going to give you the names of some well-known sports figures who passed in 2022, and our producer, Dan Wilson, if we kind of get to the bottom of his nickname, by the way, will give us things we forgot to talk about. 215-592-9494. Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. All right, Mike Sielski, what are the big New Year's Eve plans? So I am uh, stopping on my drive home uh, to get some material for New Year's Eve, like milk and half and half and an orange to make bourbon drinks and things like that. Just okay. supplies. Right, milk. And, I always need milk on New Year's Eve. Well, we need milk anyway for kids. We have kids. I get, you I know. get, it, I get it. And uh, they might want hot chocolate and we make it with milk. Oh, nice. Uh, and then we are having uh, dear friends of ours, a couple who I've known uh, since my freshman year of college, which is nearly 30 years now. And they're coming over with their daughters to hang out, and the eight of us will get together, have dinner, play games, just relax. Nice. Yeah, Uh, how about you? Well, almost the same, Um, except where I'm not stopping anywhere. Actually, I'm going home. i got to prep tomorrow's 
pregame shows, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I won't be staying, like going out and staying up right. late. I got to <laughs> leave my house at 8 a.m. to get to the uh. stadium. Uh, for what, the, you uh, should wait till after the ball drops to prep. Oh, yeah, I'll be yeah. great. Yeah. Is, here yeah. I am. It's yeah. 2023, and what are we doing yeah. to the top of the show tomorrow? By the way, Andy Harmon is our uh, alumni guest tomorrow. I always liked Andy Harmon as a player and as oh, a yeah. guy. Uh, so we start that tomorrow morning at 10 with Countdown to Kickoff. Uh, so my wife's sister and husband, my brother-in-law, are coming over tonight, and we're ordering ordering Vietnamese oh, and, drink, and drinking beer. And uh, that's, that's sounds like much, a plan. Yeah, that's it. It's not bad. All right, before we go to Dan Wilson and find out what we forgot to talk about, um, I put together a list of sports figures who passed away. By the way, Barbara Walters passed away yes. yesterday. Should mention that um, you and I know many women in broadcasting, and they will all tell you that Barbara Walters was such a pioneer. I mean, I they did a tribute to her when she retired, and I remember they showed like the early days when she was on, I guess, the Today Show, and it's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's now go to our girl reporter yeah. and see what the gals are thinking. Exactly. It was, so, it was so patronizing and so demeaning, and she worked her way up to that to become a world-class uh, reporter, broadcaster, and pioneers. So. Yeah, there there was a clip going around uh, virally last night of her conducting an interview in 1990 with a particular public figure whose name I don't want to mention because it will draw the kind of feedback that we don't need to deal with. But if you search Barbara Walters 1990, you'll find this interview clip, and it shows her journalism chops. Is that She's, a particular actor from a foreign country? Uh no. Oh, that's the one that actually was Sean Connery, which was pretty, no, okay. not that. It, it's right. a different one, right. but uh, right. it shows it shows how tough she was. All right, so these are uh, sports figures who mm-hmm. passed away this year, uh, and it, I'm just going to read them at any point. You just stop and interject mm-hmm. whatever you want. Uh, Vin Scully, oh. Pele, just the other day, Franco Harris, Ray Guy. I have a friend, by the way, who is 65. Uh, from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. who was at the Immaculate Reception game. Really? And uh, I think was close to weeping the other day when he well, heard Franco Harris passed away. I, I wrote a, a column about Franco Harris when he died, and I think I've told this story on this <clears throat> show before. He was my Irish grandmother's favorite football player. She loved football. Mm-hmm. She loved Franco Harris. But the primary reason she loved him, at least at first, was that she didn't realize he was half black, half Italian. She thought his name was Frank <laughs> no. O'Harris. Yes, she did. Oh, I told that story That's not in her a joke. Eul- I told that story in her eulogy. God rest her soul. Oh, and it is her. absolutely one hundred percent true. Uh, Ray Guy, Len Dawson, Daryl LaMonica, Don Maynard, Mike Leach. Oh, creative football mind. Man. The great Bill Russell. Oh. Speaking of pioneers. Yep. Bob Lanier, who went to my girlfriend's high school when I was a kid in Buffalo, when mm-hmm. I was a teenager, at Bennett High School in Buffalo. And they had bronzed pair of his sneakers in the trophy case. Size 22, right? Huge. Uh, Pete Carrill, Guy Lafleur, Mike Bossy, Clark Gillies, Gaylord Perry, uh, Bruce Souter, uh, Ernie Shavers, the great referee Mills Lane, Roger Angel, and so many more great ones. It's it's an incredible list of yeah. incredible talent and a yeah. lot of respects. And, lot and of respect. si- significant people talking about Bill Russell, mm-hmm. talking about Roger Angel and how many writers he influenced over the years yep. um, with the way he covered baseball. Just remarkable. All right, Dan. Wil- Wait, actually, before Dan Wilson gives us this, uh, having listened in recent days, all of a sudden Dan Wilson became a different character. Ooh. Um, what is your nickname? Buzz. 
Yeah, I never heard that. You never gave it as in that. Lightyear. Uh, it's not after Buzz Lightyear, but it's the same name, Buzz. Okay. Yeah, B U Z Z. Uh, it's a childhood nickname that originated in middle school, and as I was telling you guys before the show, uh, it used to be Buzzkill. So it was a self-deprecating nickname that was assigned to me, and I, I guess, loved all of the attention. And to this day, all of my friends still call me Buzz. Would you prefer? I, no, I professionally have gone by, but if you want to go with Buzz, it's made its way onto the radio here. Right, we'll figure it out. All right. Wh- I, I'm never really a fan of people who like say, hey, you should call me by my nickname. I think if it's natural to other people, they should go with it. Well, hmm. I was going to say that. The, the key distinction here is that you did not give yourself this nickname. Correct. Okay? Correct. Like, you know, Kobe Bryant, I mean, look, I wrote a book about him, but he gave himself the nickname The Black Mamba, which you have to be of some stature. Yeah, I don't consider myself on that, that stature to uh, be able to By the do way, that. your book is coming out in paperback when? Uh, the Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality, out in paperback on January 17th. Tell your friends. Uh, you gotta go pump, to bookstores. you got to learn to pump product a little bit. What did we forget to talk about, uh, <laughs> Well, really Dan quick, we have our caller of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. our favorites here on the show, Jack from Santa Barbara, is going to win. Nice. Uh, the Scheib Vintage Sports gift card, $50. You got it. And uh, things we forgot to talk about. Uh, so we spent a lot of time talking about the Eagles today. Uh, an old friend of ours, Doug Peterson, obviously uh, is going to have a very big game next week against the Tennessee Titans uh, for the final playoff spot, which sets up a weird scenario this week, which regardless of what happens between the Titans and the Cowboys and his Jaguars and the Texans, those games don't really matter. Uh, and he was asked about playing his starters this week. I don't know if you guys heard this, but this is how he responded. Obviously loaded with tons of irony. There. I was just gonna say that that uh, you know what's the line in the movie Dodgeball? You know, so, sorry your dodgeball coach got crushed by two tons of irony. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's pretty much. We've been there. We've seen it, Doug. Yeah. All right, what? Uh, and by the way, I love the job he's doing, and that young quarterback looks great. Trevor Lawrence has been the best quarterback yeah. in the NFL for the last month and a half. Yeah, and I hope Doug makes the playoffs. I'm rooting for him. And speaking of old friends, Glenn, since I know we spent uh, some of today's show talking about how. Uh, you're not a huge fan of clickbait. I'm sure you love the story about Terrell Owens possibly making a comeback to yeah. uh, Dallas this how, week. How old is he? 49. 49, and uh, I'm sure he puts it out that he the, he and the Cowboys have talked about a potential return to the NFL. I love Terrell Owens. I really do. I think he's I've connected with him a few times, and I loved him as a player. But this is ridiculous. He 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 does need the attention. Yeah, that's that's what this is about. Yeah. And. I would love to see him try. It would be interesting mm. for a couple of plays until, you know, no, he got hit. I don't. Not. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, hasn't right. played in the NFL in about a decade. By yeah. Way. Okay. Uh, really quick. Uh, Gene Segura signing a two-year, seventeen million dollar deal with the Marlins. Obviously, a huge part of the twenty year in twenty twenty two for the Philadelphia Phillies. Two ba- huge hits in the postseason. Two yeah. huge. I mean. Basically kept the run alive in St. Louis. If he doesn't get that hit in St. Louis, Absolutely. probably don't even advance past that but round. Wish him luck. I, I was not upset that they didn't re-sign him. I think it's, it's right. time to move on, but, but wish him well. But that And that single against the Cardinals is the most underrated moment of that entire postseason run. If yeah. the Phillies don't win that game, I, I think, forget it. Like That's a tone setter for the hey, entire month. Go home and watch the video yearbook. I'm telling you, it's not <laughs> I'm guessing it's in, in there. Yeah. Oh, God, I it's would great. Think. And the, 
And then last question for you guys. I know we don't talk as much college football on the show as we used to when we had Ray, uh, but starts. obviously, yeah, well, two college football playoff games today, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. I don't know if you guys have any picks or thoughts on these um, games. I'm going to go out on a limb and predict an all-Big Ten finals. I was just thinking that would be kind of amazing, especially because it would be Ohio State and Michigan. Woody Hayes versus Bo Schembechler. It's the great rivalry in college football. It really is. And so, yeah, I would like to see that. Yeah, it's like Alabama-Auburn for the finals. Yeah. It would be great to see that. I'm in. All right. Nice job, Dan Wilson. Good job by you. Uh, always, Mike Sielski, a pleasure. You too, uh, my friend. I will be uh, – what, what, uh, when are you next – well, you're next time with me, right? Yeah, Any, next okay. Saturday. Anything else you got to pump? Uh, no. Okay. Good. Oh, good. Just read, buy my book, please. Thank you. And read his columns in the Inquirer. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Pre-game, uh, 10 a.m. at the stadium. Hope to see everybody down there. Stay tuned. Go Birds Radio. James and Elliot. Oh, we got Reuben Frank in for James. Reuben Frank Never in for heard James. Reuben and Elliot, good stuff. Listen to them. Stay tuned right here in 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.